Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. The Practical Guitarist Podcast is brought to you by Great Lakes Guitar Pickups. Great Lakes Guitar Pickups provides fantasy tones at prices of practical guitars to the world. Featuring top-notch construction, attention to detail, and a fully custom product, if you can dream it, Great Lakes Guitar Pickups can probably build it. Follow them on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pickups. Are you a regular listener? Why not? David here reminding you of all the ways you can participate in the Practical Guitars Podcast. Subscribe using your chosen podcast app. Review us on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. Find our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash practical guitars or on Twitter as at practguitarist. Support the show. Merchandise is available in our Threadless store at practicalguitarspodcast.threadless.com and donate to us via Patreon available at patreon.com slash practicalguitarist. Reach out to us directly via email at questions at practicalguitarist.com. Hello, Jim. Hi, David. I understand that you've started a new position. I well, yeah, I've accepted a position uh, like it's a big deal. But I, I have the center, um, the center who sells guitars. <laughs> the center that sells guitars. I'm going to work there part time at least through the holiday for some uh, some um, extra money and for the the uh, lower cost <laughs> stuff. Yeah. So I've kind of taken advantage of both sides. Buy me a looper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Once I once I get the once I get, you get, once the, I get uh, my my ID, probationary I get period. <laughs> yeah, I think the probationary period is like a week. It's, yeah, it's ridiculously. Well, small. it's you know it is big box retail except musical instruments. So yeah, um, but you got to have an ID. They haven't assigned me. HR hasn't assigned me an ID into the POS yet. So once I get that, then I get my dis- my discount. So I got to go through orientation and all the other stuff and learning how to make money. I can I can make money off of you, but anyway, um, so I was at Guitar Center and I was there because I have to bring in my birth certificate and stuff. So I'm there and I a I, uh, I see the Samick right. I saw a a clear guitar and I'm like, okay, Samick couldn't possibly make one like a Dan Armstrong because I've I've played and had uh, a no, Dan they Armstrong have. before. They have. They did, and it was. And it was the, um, the uh, like the atomic weight of like mercury. I mean, it was like <laughs> just this. I mean, a planet mercury. Jim has sailed the world on battleships that are lighter. Yeah, yeah. Than guitar. <laughs> I picked up, I picked up five inch fifty four rounds that that did not feel as heavy <laughs> as this thing. I grabbed it by the neck, right, and I'm figuring, okay, I'm just gonna pick it. I go to pick it up, and I'm like, oh my god, it's like a, it's literally like a boat anchor. Yeah, and. Uh, I swear to God, it had to be in the eighteen, you know, pound range or so. And I thought, oh my goodness, because you, you're picking up by the neck, and I'm thinking, wow. But it was well cared for. I had to give it this. You could you could tell it was a player and played, but you could also tell that whoever owned it cared for it deeply. And uh, it Some actually it, has a cool look. So was it a Samick or was it a Greg Bennett? No, it was a Samick. Samick. It was so prior it was, to Greg Bennett. Well, no. Okay. So one of the things um, about Samick is across, across the ocean, 
those of us who go to the Orient and who go to uh, <clears throat> um, I, when I I bought my salmon in Turkey, okay, so they're they're not as well. I don't even know if they sell much here anymore at all, but they they were mostly an overseas brand, and um, so. When I saw this guitar, um, I'm not surprised because we're a Navy town and a lot of guys like myself that buy stuff overseas and bring it back. So <clears throat> I saw the Samick um, uh, thing on it and I was like, wow, that's just really, that's a cool find. 250 bucks. That thing's going to go home with somebody. I know it is. That, so as we talk about this, I owned a Samick, right? Yep. Samics were really, really popular here in the Chicago area mm-hmm. for like the uber low end mom and pop music store especially yep. places that sold pianos because samic was first and foremost as a korean piano company mm-hmm. i think it was korean yeah and they made guitars for everybody that's right point. um they were the core of their day right and i think core actually came out of that because people got kind of that some of the companies got kind of frustrated dealing with samic and so they started migrating away from them yep. um now first and foremost i had a, my first guitar was a samic um, it was some sort of like take on a Jackson Dinky, but mm-hmm. the the body was like you know guitar is usually like a two inch or like a half or an inch and a half or an inch and three right. the body. Yeah. This thing had to be every bit of an inch, <laughs> and it was the softest basswood you could possibly yeah. imagine. Yeah. And I remember the first time I dinged it, I was like, I was sitting on my bed, and you know they had the you had the metal bed frame, right? And I just right, like right. It like dinked against the metal bed frame, and there was this gigantic gash in the side of the guitar, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I ruined my guitar, you know, like a freak out. No, you did. I hadn't been playing very long, but um, not long enough to know that Samick wasn't a great brand. Well, um, yeah. So what happened was they when they shipped them over here, they just didn't ship very good guitars over here. It's but not it, even just good guitars; they just didn't make good models for the states. No. They did, and, and that's the thing. <clears throat> and so, a lot of people, you know, when you go over there, um, they had better instruments, they had better, better quality, better make. Well, I, I, I actually suspect that Samick had like a complete line of instruments that that retailers here could purchase, but yep. they weren't interested in any of the mid level or the higher level stuff. No, all they wanted, wanted was the super cheap, like entry level. This is your first guitar. Here we go. That's right. Know. And so that's actually what I ended up buying. Um, it was just, you know, and it, and it got me through. The pickups weren't bad. Actually, I would say um, compared to now, – now, let me let me date myself here. I think I got it in 2001 or 2002, um, and <laughs> pickups in it were, were serviceable. Yep. They weren't great, but they were serviceable. And actually, I would say because I've played some Harley Benton since then, and I would say the Samick's – the pickups are better than Harley Benton's. Now the body yeah. thickness, not so much. Yeah, but but everything else was okay. And like that guitar got me through. And actually, I I, I sold it to a coworker who then gave it to his kid and uh, actually saw the guitar not that long ago. Uh, it was a year uh, or two ago. I saw it in his possession. So um, yeah. So I um, the one that I saw in Guitar Center has a real Floyd Rose, not a license. Not a, what do you call it? A real Floyd Rose. And it's got EMG pickups. Now, whether that was stock or not, I don't know. My guess is that's upgraded. I'm I'm guessing the EMGs are an upgrade, and I'm guessing the bridge is also an upgrade. It probably had a license Floyd on it originally. Probably. Probably. 
Yeah, because it was not a licensed Floyd. <clears throat> it was a real thing, and it was a it's a real set of EMGs. Um, and you can see every wire, every. Does it sound any good? Yeah, it sounded pretty good. I was unplugged, surprised. Unplugged, not plugged in. Yeah, I didn't plug it in. So that's um, why I have a feeling they put the EMGs in it. Because I, yeah. I have a feeling the body sounds like trash. Otherwise, you know, I've heard that as a Dan Armstrong, Dan Armstrong guitarist too, is that yeah. the, the, they sound like trash. It's total yeah. stage guitar. Nobody's using it in the studio <laughs> kind of deal. Um, yeah, no, it's all, it's all for a look, but I can still see because for $250, even though it's just for a look, I can see somebody grabbing that. I mean, if you got me with weight relieved, I would definitely be interested Oh, you would not want to wear this. Uh, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, if it was a Strat and it was like weight relieved, like, okay. I mean, yeah. I could, I could probably vibe with that swimming pool route right to the edge of the pit guard. Yeah. You know, and the whole like, here you go. This is, you know, this is the best you're gonna get for for what you're doing. Um, I could, I could probably get into something like that. I just don't think. I just don't like lucite bodies. I just don't. I mean. Yeah. You could see the wires in there and stuff. Like it'd be cooler yep. if it was really see through, but it's not. So, yeah. Well, I mean, you can't see through wire, so it's not right. Well, yeah. I mean, if there's some optical trick they could do to like hide yeah. it in the, in a crease or something, like run it around the horn of the guitar, <laughs> so that you could honestly, see. yeah, honestly, I think I would have done something weird there with like coloring or something, just to yeah, so that it didn't look as ugly. Or put but, LED lights in it, right? And you could, you could easily put LEDs in this thing. All I can say is, I don't even know if it's still What's the there. Price tag on that, two fifty, two forty eight, actually. Um, I'm yeah. gonna be. So when I saw the headstock, oh, I mean, for that kind of money, you could buy the guitar or part it out. That's what I'm saying. So um, when I saw the headstock, I knew it was an early Samick. Uh, so yeah, I, I recognized the headstock straight away. Yeah, it was like a '90s Samick. You have to like, send me that that uh, picture after this episode so we can post it up with the show notes. Yeah. Well, it's a, yeah, it's really cool. I liked it. Um, I thought it was, uh, um, an interesting piece. You don't see a lot of interesting piece. Yeah. And some guy said, set it up for drop G sharp. <laughs> I don't know if you could go that low on it, but so I can tell I, you this, that body isn't going to give. <laughs> I want to take, I want to take some, I want to do some housekeeping. Um, yeah. we don't do this very often anymore. I've been trying to do it in every episode. Um, it's been getting into the tail end of the episode. And I think it's better if we put it towards the front. Uh, join our Facebook group. Obviously, we have a Facebook group. You'll hear us talk about it on the show from time to time. It's a pretty active community. A lot of the people that we talk about on the show are in our Facebook group. Uh, join it. Join us. Um, join us or die. And uh, in the Facebook group, you will find that we have announcements. In the announcement section, you can find things like how to support the show through uh, Patreon by buying merchandise from us over at Threadless or you know, all that happy stuff, or you can just hang out and talk to us. Like it's cool. Um, the other thing is, uh, we're sponsored right now by great lakes guitar pickups. If you're looking for pickups and you don't really, let me put it this way. If you're looking for authentic vintage pickups and you want something that's truly authentic, the place yeah. to go is great lakes guitar pickups. Um, for sure. Nick bongers does a lot of the work over there. He's running the show. Uh, he's a nice dude. He's uh, taking the time out to give us pickups for giveaways. Um, we have a set that we're working to get installed right now. As soon as those get done, we're hoping to make that magic happen. And then yeah, I got to uh, send him back one. Yeah. And then, uh, so if you could, you know, just pay, pay him a, you know, send him a Facebook message or follow him on Facebook. And right. uh, if you're ever interested in pickups, 
like he's he's the guy that that can make you what make you whatever your heart aspires to. Um, he's kind of a genius in that way. So yeah. and I and he's also very highly educated too. So you can have some very interesting discussions with him as you as you communicate with him. Um, but yeah, uh, Jim, I'm looking forward to hearing about all of your wild adventures working at Guitar Center through the holidays because you're going to see yeah. stuff that you're like, what is this? Because you, I'm sure there are things that you miss at the store now because you're yeah. not there every single day. You know what I mean? Right, right. And so, I mean, I'll only working part-time, maybe two or three days a week. But, you know, I, I am kind of looking forward to it. I got to tell you, so uh, Jeff Biedeski, B, he's a decky. The, he is yeah, a decky. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, posted a thing uh, about PRS guitars. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the new SE line. Yeah, coming in in the S twos that are coming out because they're they're doing S E mirrors. Yeah, I saw that, and I actually that totally makes sense because yep. the quality level of the guitar has gone up. Yep, and the pickups are already made, you know, outside the states anyway. So, just make it an S E model. If you're mm -hmm. not selling enough of them at the S two level, make them an S E model. And actually, I was super excited to see that because I kind of was ticked off when they when they cancel a mirror because it's like the guitar they make that i'm most interested in yeah yeah it's uh, a i'm really excited to see that i'm excited to get my hands on a custom 24 hollow body do you know what i played today that i really liked no what was it i played in the uh the jpm model from sterling did you like it and sterling it was, it was like 650 bucks and it was the best 150 guitar i'd ever played really nice like, this is crazy um and it had the it had the uh, the color shift finish, so it was like purple to green, and they make it in a seven string, which means that uh, come time for me to get my uh, second seven string for backup, like that might be a contender. Yeah. So, um, dude, you know, I I I don't like the idea of buying a Sterling because I've heard various quality control issues, like on the cheaper ones to the more expensive ones. But at the same time, it's like I really don't want to buy a Music Man either. I don't want to spend three thousand dollars on a on a JPM. That's crazy. No. And, and, and I certainly don't want the the, the um, what's the one that everybody's buying now? The the new John Petrucci model. The uh, oh the oh well, it's called the JP. It's not the Majesty. It's the, the yeah, it's um, the Majesty. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I just don't. I mean, like the Majesty doesn't doesn't do it for me. So. I no, I mean, believe it or not, if I was going to buy one that was a signature, I'd probably go with the Luke Three. Yeah, uh, did they <clears> make that in a Sterling? I don't think they do. I don't think so, and and probably for good reason. But anyway, it's exciting to see that. Um, so for 2020, PRS is coming out with a um, hollow body standard, a hollow body two, um, which just looks killer. Uh, the Mira and the Starla. So, and of course, you know, burled ash and pearled poplar burl. I honestly don't like burl. I, I don't like the yeah, look of burl. It, it has to be burl. like a specific burl and the top has to be just the right top. If you yeah. get one that doesn't look right, they're not, they're just kind of ugly looking. Oh, yep. there is a, there is a Sterling Luke, Jim. A what? There is a Sterling Luke. Ooh. Yeah. I'll, I'll, Luke two or Luke three? Uh, I think it's based off the current model. Okay, so that'd be a three. Yeah, that's cool. And they, and it comes in. You can get it in a flame top in blue, or a flame top in brown, or the uh, the metallic Luke blue. Nice. Yeah. 
Well, my my uh, so the local guitar center has two guitars that are really really got me chopping at the bit. So um, they have a twelve string. I've talked about the twelve string Rickenbacker, but um, they also have finally, and it's in whale blue, the color I want. They have a um, semi hollow uh, CE. And I was like, ah, oh, geez. So definitely be playing cars here that I'm interested. In. Yeah, I'll have yeah. to look at the I'll have to look at their model lineup later because I see a couple of guitars that that would be that would kind of fit the bill for different things. Um, yeah, they make so. Yeah, Sterling's cool. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, so a friend of mine, he's going on a um, he's he's on a uh, uh, music man kick. So he went out and he bought a Luke three. He bought a Valentine, the jet, uh, the Valentine model. I think, I'm not. Crazy I think those things are super. I'm, yeah, I, <clears throat> I'm not crazy about the Valentine, but he bought a Valentine model and he bought a JPM. I'm like, geez, I'm crow, man. He shelled out some cash. Yeah, that's like nine thousand bucks right there. Yeah, yeah. Because um, he didn't buy them used. Yeah. So that's closing in on like I, I think that's like yeah about like between eight, it's eight between and nine thousand dollars. Seventy five hundred and nine thousand dollars. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Dude, I and you know what? I they, they're a lot of guitar for the money, but I think if you're going to start spending that kind of money, just buy vintage stuff. Yeah, at that mean, point, honestly, honestly, you could go out at that get, point. He plays for a disco band at that point. Go out and get a 60s tally, or I mean, a 60s strat. Well, I was just going to say, like, if you got ten thousand dollars to spend, right? I can go buy three Les Pauls, yeah. or I could buy like three 70 Stratocasters, yeah, you know, because you can get 70 strats for between three and four thousand all day long. All you find the right buyer, you know, you get the right deal. Yeah, it works out. Um, you can get you can get vintage like sixty SGs for like thirty five hundred bucks. Yeah, I mean, it almost and then hold out of that thing. And, <clears throat> well, that's that's it's an investment at that point. Buyer and an investment, exactly. And that's one of the things that I wanted to point out. Like when when a lot of people look at um, Les Pauls and stuff, like yeah, it's what are they twenty seven hundred now? I think for a standard twenty no twenty five for a standard twenty four ninety nine. All three standard models are twenty four ninety nine. The sixties. Oh, I thought they were twenty seven hundred. Sixties, nope, the fifties, and the um, the fifties um, P ninety. Twenty seven hundred is the modern. Okay, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, and I, I personally, if I'm going to get one, I'm getting the modern. I don't want the. I want the weight relief, and I want the push pulls. Yeah, so I guess maybe my my theory doesn't stand up. It is actually nice to to look at Gibson and kind of think their average guitar is about two grand and not three grand yeah. which is what it was yeah um so yeah whatever um yeah they've, they've come down <clears throat> the other um the other great thing about the the um gibson guitars right now is that because they're only making three colors max in the les paul line you get a 60s les paul or a um, 50s les paul three of them only have three colors and the 50s p90 comes in one color gold yeah time. yeah so i mean the thing is, you got. Do you want a T burst? Do you want a honey burst, or do you want a gold? No, top? and that's, that's really what. It that's comes a whole to. other thing too. Because like, all right, so I don't really consider that the Gibson is actually making three colors. I think it, the way I perceive it is that Gibson's just using different bursts, which yeah. is okay. Um, I personally, I'm totally fine with that because every guitar, every Les Paul I've ever wanted has been a burst of some sort. Um, or you know, there's like ebony ones too, but um. Yeah. You you want a custom color? That's the custom shops for. Do you want to? You know. Yeah. Now, granted, I think it would be nice to see a company just like taking production models and spraying them the color you want, 
and charge you 500 bucks for it. Um, right, right. But that's what Kiesel's for. So, <laughs> um, I don't know. It's a whole thing. We can talk about that some other day. Um, yeah, but you can always take a Gibson Les Paul and get it sprayed. Yeah. For the same amount of money. And that's true. I, I, I know. I, I just, like, when I see that, I always question, like, who's doing the work. Um, it had to be, the, it would have to be the right person. Yeah. And the, I mean, if you got a receipt and it was done by, say, you did a telly and it was Jeff Sand in, in Nashville. And I mean, you know, you can. Well, and th- you know, that's, that, like that. we were having a conversation about that. Uh, me and uh, I forget who it was now. Some, one of our show listeners. And we were having a conversation about that. Just that thing. You can have guitars resprayed and stuff, but it's not going to add value. I don't care who does it. No. Like, and, and it's not that it's not going to add value. It's just not going to change it at all. In fact, no. um, that's a really weird optical illusion I just saw. Anyway, maybe I'm, maybe I did take the wrong medication, Jim. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so um, what I was trying to say was that um, you can have a guitar resprayed. You can have. I'm not just talking about custom work done, but like a lot of people, I've seen this on Reverb. There's this trend of like X guy built rebuilt this amp for me or whatever. Like that's somehow going to make yeah. it like retain value or something. And it's I I just. No, no one cares because you have no proof that that guy did that for you. Even if they give you your certificate of authenticity, like you'd have to know him and ask him, like, did you do this? Here's a certificate of authenticity. And he says, yeah, I remember paying that one. Or I don't remember paying that one, but I must have because that's my signature. You know, I just, I kind of shrug my shoulders at it. It's like, okay, you know. I don't think it would add value. I don't think it'll, you know, if you take a guitar and you get it done right, if it gets done right, then it won't subtract value either. 30 years from now, nobody cares if it was blue, orange, yellow, or pink. What they care about is, does it, does it sound good? Does well, and you'll see refins on reverb and people won't say they're refin, refins. And it's funny because like you can see streaks and stuff in them. It's like, yeah. how, where do you think anybody is going to buy this and not yell at you after they get it and go, there's streaks in the paint here. Right. Well, you know, that, that goes to some of the listings I see and I, uh, you know, especially on Facebook, um, reverb has got some that are like this, but somebody will take two pictures of a guitar. I want $6,000. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Oh, guess what? Not based on two pictures. You're not No, Well, I don't care how they, they're looking are. for tire kickers is what they're looking for. Cause they know that they can get you in the door. They can make a deal that, and, and that happens too, where people are like, you know what? I'm not going to take very many pictures of this. It's just for sale. Local only you call me up. We'll meet. I'll show it to you. Yeah. Then they know they got they got your money in in their hand, like in front of them. So that's you know that's the thing. Uh, it it really comes down to your interest in, like you said, in their thing, their item, and then whether or not um, uh, they can lure you to come to their house and take a look at it. I I just don't. I, I'm not driving 15 minutes to see something I don't know um, if it's worth going to. Mm-hmm. Much less forty-five minutes or an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I guess I'm just a jerk that way. Cause I, yeah. I've been like that. Well, I started um, just started playing with a new band this week. Well, actually, yep. a couple weeks ago, before I had the flooding, which I want to vent about the flooding on the show, but I'm not going to vent about the flooding until I know <laughs> more about what's actually going to happen. Um, yep. It's just been it's just been a nightmare, and it's continuing, and it's making things worse and aggravating me and. Frankly, I don't want to yell at the microphone this evening, so right. <laughs> uh, I'll avoid that for the time being. Yeah, um, microphone. So I joined. I joined um, up with a. I didn't really join them. It's like 
it's a loose uh, conglomeration of guys that get together and they play and they do shows and they, and they get paid. And, um, but, but basically it's like no commitment. If you can't make it, you just say you can't make it and nobody is going to shoot you down or anything. And there's enough players that like, if I didn't show up, they're still going to play and they're still going to have a good time and it's going to be a good show and people are going to enjoy it. And Jim, you've seen the set list. It is. um, And this is, this is why I wanted to talk about on the show. So I know in the past of the show, like I've always said, like I'm an originals guy first and foremost, and I still am. And I'm still doing my solo stuff and that's not going to change. I'm taking a little bit of a breather break thing because I need to write some more material. I need to work out some more covers um, to kind of fit into my set so that they can keep people interested in those kind of things. So um, this has been a, a great way to like take a look back at the situation though, and kind of get, get the lay of the land um, for how, you know, the other half lives and that's the people that do covers and bars and things like that. So here, so there's a Thanks. number of songs in this. <laughs> well, Jim, but I can't relate. Like I, I, I don't no, I know. I get it. I get it. So it's, it's actually interesting. Cause I'm, I'm kind of putting myself in your shoes and I'm like, I don't really know that like I can do this long term. Um, yeah. Cause, cause even though I'm playing like, all right, let's, let's just talk about the set list. Let's start there. And then we can, we can work back from that. So I don't have, uh, <laughs> I don't have my, uh, my Spotify. List. I have, hold on. I there's got, a couple, I got the there's list. a couple of songs in there that I want to focus on though. I'm playing, um, escape, you know, fantasy's yep. pinna colada. <laughs> and, um, I'm <laughs> playing, um, wagon wheel, which, oh, good God. Um, and I'm playing, uh, Margaritaville, which that's another song that like, honestly, <laughs> I went to practice it the other day before the rehearsal and I was like, what am I doing here? Like, what okay, am I I'm doing? Gonna, this is I'm going to read some songs or I never would play. And here I am. Playing. I'm going to, I'm going to read some songs for our listeners oh, gosh. sitting on the dock of the bay. Yeah, learning to song. fly. I, I love that song. And learning to fly is great. Ripple Folsom prison blues, mountain dew, soul shine. I love that song. Yeah. Margaritaville. Oh, uh-huh. I said that one. Wild horses. I love Ain't wild too horses. proud to beg. Chicken fried. I ain't too proud to beg um, is fun to play, by the way. Uh, whoops. Why did I go? I, Can we I not talk about chicken way. fried? That, that's Hold another on. song. Arthur theme. Is that the Arthur theme? From like the TV show. From the TV. From from Arthur, the TV yes. show. The kids TV show. Yes. I was thinking, you know, what's in your life? You will find her. Suddenly. No, it's not that one. Okay. Uh, hey, friend of the devil. A wonderful day. <laughs> I am so sorry that you have to play a Grateful Dead song. Okay. I will hey, the circle Ripple is, gra- Ripple is a Grateful Dead song in there too. Yeah, friend of the devil. Uh, Catfish John. Um, long black veil. Ring of fire. Yeah, long black That's veil. a song you can have a lot of fun song. with. Ring of fire. Um, I like, and I get to play the horn part. So the wait. That's a good song. That's a fun song. Which one? You can. You can. The wait. Yeah, I like the wait. But I think we're uh, smashing it up with another song. So I'm like. I want to play the weight by itself. <laughs> yeah. I want to you play. are my sunshine. Uh, you are my sunshine. That's what I actually haven't my played yet. Sunshine. God like help you. There's two chords in that song, right? There's, there are some songs. No. There's three. a lot more than two chords. No. There's a lot more than three chords in that song. You better look it back up. They might play it three chords, but it is not a three chord song. No, actually, it's uh, it's a three chord song. Okay, right. Oh, four chords. Sorry. Okay. And an, and an E7, if that counts. Yeah. D A E G and E7. E7. You got uh, I'll Fly Away. 
Allison Krauss. Yeah, and that's another like couple. Catfish John. That's another. Uh, isn't that isn't that Grateful Dead? I don't think so. Oh, it says Old and the Way. Yeah, Old and in the Way. Long Black Veil, Ring of Fire. Again, they got it listed twice. Oh, I think it's just because the uh, the way I sent you the picture. Oh, oh, the way you, you've sent me the picture. Never mind. Bertha, Live at the Fillmore. Yeah, that's another. Uh, um, that's a Grateful Dead song for sure. Yeah. Eco, Eco, or Ico, Ico. Yeah. And uh, for what's for what it's worth. Oh, for what it's worth, I played that one. Yeah, I mean, there's not, there's some good songs in the set. A lot of it's like pretty pretty brainless. Like as long as you know the chord progression, you can you can just feel you know muddle your way through it. Um, and I, I'm not, I'm doing a lot of prep work for this because I want to, like, I want to build a foundation so that I can go play these tunes and not have to like really think about it. Just do a rehearsal or two and, and be ready for the next show. So I'm, I'm taking the time to learn them right. And, um, the thing is we're not playing a lot of this stuff in the original key. And so I'm, I'm, I have a sheet right here in front of me. Actually, it's in, in word where I have all my chord charts and actually it was given, um, lyrics and chords originally, but. For me to flip through my iPad, Jim, there's like 25 songs on that list. For me to <laughs> yep. be able to flip through my iPad and get every song, I'm like, this is nuts. I'll just get as many as I can on a page yeah. and then just page through them, you know, like yeah. it'd be a lot faster to do that. So I've got it to where I've got, you know, 10 or 12 songs on a page. Well, there's, so for people who do stuff like this, there are song list, there are set list um, managers that you can yeah. use that, and then you can use the Bluetooth um, foot pads, which if you get a little blue, cool. Bluetooth uh, thing, they're like 30 bucks. I just don't want to spend any money on it. Bucks. I like, until I start making some money on it. I don't really want to spend yeah. any money. I'm just saying, if you start making any money, um, it's, it's worth it. Um, so I, I'm back at the church. I was only a week off. I got a week off. Um, I'm back at the church doing the, doing the gig. It looks like it's going to be lasting for a while. And I've got the guitar center thing. And of course my regular day job that, Pays pretty well, so I went from from eating ramen noodles are you, to. Are you, so you're not playing, looking at you're it. not playing in a local band right now, or are you just? Oh yeah, okay. oh yeah, I'm doing that, that too. too. <laughs> I didn't know you were doing that too. I yeah. Care for that then. Um, yep. I need to start editing the show, Jim. And uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. And I need to start editing the show. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Recording at least three to YouTube videos a week. Yes. Um. So yeah, I want to do more of that. I, I want to kind of. Start doing some behind the scenes stuff at Guitar Center. So I, we'll I think I'm more interested in hearing about your escapades at Guitar Center than anything else, because yeah. I, because everybody like I and me included can can talk shit all day long about people who work at these these places, um, mm -hmm. meaning like the big box music retailers. But nobody really knows what's going on behind the scenes unless they've worked there. And I always yeah. get the feeling it's kind of like a fraternity too. It's like. Well, yeah, we're paid on commission, and then it just kind of trails off, and that's the end of that conversation. Well, okay, like, so commission is an interesting thing. I mean, commission is based def so everything is different based on the on the item you sell. <clears throat> so it begins with that. If you sell a pack of strings, that's one thing. You know? Yeah. If you sell um, three guitar straps, another thing. If you sell a Gibson Les Paul, it's quite another thing. You would think I'm going to make a lot of money on this Les Paul, yeah. but you could probably make more on make strings. More on strings, right? Um, the thing is that, so I don't know if I've heard horror stories of this, and I and I wish it wasn't true, but I'm sure it is um, because of the way uh, that um, marketing makes sure that they want you to sell stuff, right? So one of the one of the things you're you're 
uh, met one of your metrics yeah. is how many of those darn um, warranties you can sell. Yeah. So that's kind I've of heard horror stories industry now. Yeah. And I've heard horror stories of people where they walked out and if they hadn't looked at their receipt, they wouldn't have seen that they put a warranty on there. That they didn't have that for. happened to me. And unfortunately, here's the thing. And I'm not giving the guy that put that or the gal that put that a break, but you're, you're kind of held to a 30% number and your um, bonuses and your, your pay, your pay raises are based on staying at that 30% number. Now I worked at GameStop and I didn't even have to try and I was way above normal. So I'm not so sure that the the salesperson was really trying. Uh but yeah. But there's a book called The Tyranny of Metrics. And if you have Audible, I truly recommend that you yeah, grab that because that's one of the things that will <clears> make <throat> people do stuff you would think they would never do. Yeah, because they're afraid they're going to lose their question. job. I mean, yeah. I get it. Um, the guy that did it to me though, like I've had business with him before and okay. he was, I don't know that his, his job was at risk or anything like that. He was kind of a snake when I dealt with him before. Yeah. And so now I, I told the manager, I was like, when I come in there now, I said, if he's there, I won't deal with him. I said, I'm going to ask for another sales associate. Cause I said, this yeah. is the second time I've been burned by this individual. And, yeah. um, and then there's another <clears throat> guy at this other location that I go to. Wait, who's another one that like he tried to talk to me today and I was like, no, you can go, you can go to hell. Like you go to hell yeah. and you die. <laughs> go to hell, you die. <laughs> right. You die. Cause uh a little South Park. Yeah, thing. cause I was like, uh, he came up to me and and he's like, Oh, how you how's it going? And and like saw me playing, you know. I was playing through Dr. Z and he's like uh trying to get me to, you know, to like pony up and I'm I'm like I'm like, listen, I'm being helped by someone else. And he's like, Oh, he's like, I thought you just walked in. And I'm like, I did. And, and, and then he, and then he kind of like looked at me funny and I'm like, that guy over there, he's going to get my commission. <laughs> and then he turned around and walked away. There was no more, no yeah. more combativeness after that. But I was just like, you don't remember me. You don't remember what you did to me because, because there was something that there was a, there was a verbal altercation between me and this individual. And it was, wow. and there were other people involved that were there and this guy was wrong and, and everybody knew it. But when I left, everybody knew it. So it's like, you can continue to act like a jerk to me, but you're never getting my money again. So, yeah, um, I, I, you know, I'll be it through your regular salary. I hate going there. Um, I just hate it now because I, I've had so many runs like that because I'm, I spend a lot of money in these places. Like I do. I spend way too yeah. much money in these places. Oh, yeah. Well, the truth is, I mean, obviously I do too. And <clears throat> the thing is that, that um, personally, I don't want somebody going home and talking bad about me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I'm going to do my best, you know, I told, I told them because they've got, they've got the new t-shirts that are for the guitar, uh, the guitar thon thing. Yeah. I said, well, make sure you put an extra large t-shirt aside for wow. <laughs> And, uh, <clears throat> but yeah, they, um, I, I'm kind of excited because, you know, so I, I had a comic book store in the nineties and I sold comic books. And the thing that really stunk was it kind of took some of the magic away from loving comic oh, books yeah. because, <laughs> man, <clears throat> you get people come in as, it, well, this thing sells for $3,000, you know, on a, well, comic books. I was like, this thing sells for $35 according to Wizard, which was this. It's still you know, around. Yeah. And it, it, it was this magazine would tell you what the kind of the, the price was, but they were always high end. 
always were high end. Plus, they were a published um, magazine, which means that they were they were out of date by weeks by the time you got. Yeah, one. well, the thing is, they were like they were everything that's rated in there is in pristine condition, which doesn't exist right. in the real world. But when you right. pick it up off the shelf and buy it, it's not pristine anymore. Right. And so anyway, they would they would <clears throat> they would do that, and and uh, then they'd say, well, I should be able to get thirty dollars for it. It's worth thirty dollars. I'm like, I'll give you ten. Yeah. I give you ten because I've got to put it on my. I got to put it in here, and it's going to sit. Inventory, right? And and I probably won't ever see thirty dollars for it. I might see twenty if I'm lucky. And so you know, it's got to go in my inventory. It's got to go against my stuff. But you know, a ten year old doesn't understand that. Twelve year old doesn't yeah, get right. it. Right, and that's who your your target audience is. Yeah, that's who your target audience is. Now think about it. So I'm going to be starting in the holiday season. There's going to be grandmas and grandpas and. Um, cousins and aunts and uncles. A lot of squires. I'll be selling a lot of guitars. And it's like, okay, if you just want to spend a little bit of extra money, you know, I don't want to be that salesman. I just want to show you that if you spend a little bit extra money, I want to see what I want to show you what you got. And the the and I don't want to say the that it's a bad thing, but the you know, the affinity or the bullet might not be the best thing for them or the box, um, especially the one they put in the boxes with a Here's one with an amp and a set of strings and a, a book on how to learn and you know so on and so forth. The next thing you know, you go, ah, that that guitar will never play in tune. It will never intonate. I don't care how much. I love these these people who can play really really well. Who like there's this? You ever seen the um, the YouTube video where the guy walks into a Walmart? And he plays like a plastic guitar. Yeah, yeah he plays, yeah, he plays a, Stevie Ray Vaughan song on it. Supposedly plays the Stevie Ray Vaughan yeah. thing on it. And I'm thinking to myself, first of all, this guy's like he's a he's a Nashville cat, right? He's a really good player. He will find the right note, and you will never hear one of his mistakes or the fact that that thing actually sounds like crap because he will pull the best tones out of it he can. But he'll do that three or four times, and then start the video. And well, say, I mean, hey, what I can do. First act guitars are playable. You can tune them. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't can. think you're going to be able to cope with them on a stage, like the and no. the, we're talking or get more than two or three first songs acts that you get at Walmart, right? Um, yeah. I who somebody I know had one, and when I we played it, uh, the, like the gauges of the strings were wrong. They the, the, from the factory, <laughs> they had like it was like playing a banjo. It was crazy how out like rubber bandy it was. Um, I've seen them where the strings were in the wrong place. Like the G string was where the D string was I, supposed to yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's just like they're just throwing them in a box. Like it's a toy. They're not care. expecting that you're actually going to play it. They don't care. Um, they don't care. So, I don't know. I, I get. I guess I I understand. Um, I understand that that side of things when when uh, companies make a product for you know the beginner that's like below beginner level, right? Like just to. Right, what I like to call the toy level. Um, yes, but when you start, because I don't know if you look like First Act for a while was selling like ninety dollar guitars, and yeah. they were selling them at like Toys R Us and stuff. And I'm going, wait a minute, you can go buy us for ten dollars more. You could buy a bullet, right? Yeah, which is not a toy. Right? Why would you buy a toy? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. That's what I'm trying to say. I don't know. I, I laugh because if you don't laugh, you cry. You know what I mean? But like, it's just like that guy that's got the uh, locally. He's got a um, 
a Les Paul. It's one of the, um, uh, it's a black Epiphone Les Paul. He's got it listed for $750. I don't care how good your Epiphone Les Paul is. You are not going to get $750 for it. Not going to happen. You could, I could buy a brand new one for 500 or I mean, uh, $650. I, I don't need your used one for $750. I don't understand where some people get their, their logic from. I don't know, man. And I've actually seen not super recent, but I've seen stuff like on Facebook where people are charging more than it was new. Like rare. I and then they put rare on there and it's like, why? Cause nobody wanted it. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. how is this going to make it more you know, valuable? <laughs> rare. Like rare makes it better. No, rare only makes it better 40 years from now. <laughs> right. And, and even, and even then and, we talked about investment instruments. If you're going to invest in something, you have to buy something pre 1970. Like yeah. that's right now. Well, I mean, you could buy a seventies guitar. I, I guess that's, that's kind of a misnomer, but you got to buy something pre 1980 for sure. Because anything you buy now, it's not going to increase in value. It's just not. <laughs> not right now. It may never. It'll take it a will, long probably, time. If it, it, with the amount of guitars that are produced today, it will probably never gain in value. It's like the comic book thing, Jim. That yeah. We all know old comic books are worth money because most of them were thrown out or burned. And now we're in a society where people, when they caught on to that, it was like there was these new comic book booms and people were going out buying all the new books. And then all of a sudden they realized, oh, this is a speculator's market. And then the prices went through the floor. Um, and so that's what what's, you know, modern guitar markets basically in the same boat right now where people are buying guitars thinking they're going to be a, they're going to be worth something. I, and it's been a speculator's market for a really long time. I, yeah, that's why it always, it always irked me when, like we talked about these before, these, these like, um, uh, well, recently the, the Jimmy Page, uh, guitars that Jimmy Page painted and yeah, it's like, why would you want those? They weren't ever played by Jimmy Page, not even for a second. Yeah, are you like talking strumming. about the tribute, or are you talking about the production model? I'm talking about the tribute. Yeah, the, the, the tribute. The tribute. He signed them. Yeah, um, he signs them, and that's well. A, that goes back to the hero worship discussion from la from last episode. There are some right. people that want to be their hero, and they don't really want to play guitar. They want to pretend they're Jimmy Page, and that guitar is for those individuals or collectors. And that's the other thing that 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 irks me today is that we have collector's guitars. Gibson did a line of the government guitars where they painted them all in olive drab green and uh, like uh, the um, camo brown and all that stuff because they were, it was the re it was the wood that they got taken away by Uncle Sam, you know, that then they had, they, they had gave back once they realized they didn't have a paperwork for it. Um, it. My whole point here is that, that th these companies produce every year they produce some like weird kind of off kilter, crazy guitar that's specifically for collectors or specifically for dealers who have a collection for them to like put on the wall. Like uh, Fender did the Chrome Stratocasters and they did uh, they've done gold plated pick guards and stuff like that on certain models. They did the Game of Thrones ones. Yeah, that's another perfect. Classic those, I don't even think because I think that they only made like a few of those and I don't think they've sold. Well, they were a stunt guitar anyway, but but. You know, they make so like Ed Roman used to talk about it. They made guitars that would go specifically to a dealer. It was never supposed to end up in a player's hands. And it was like a, an award you gave the dealer for, you know, their loyal service or whatever. 
those kinds of guitars are made for collectors. They are not made right. for players. And and when you see companies doing that, that tells you there's a speculator's market. That's what that means. Yeah. No industry does that unless they know there are collectors out there. That is, it is aimed specifically at collectors. That's why yep. we should all be kind of frightened about what's going on in the guitar market as a whole right now. Yes, guitars right. are reasonably priced for what they are right now, but we produce an awful lot of them that don't go anywhere. Go into your local right. mom and pops. If you, if you have a local mom and pop fender dealer, this is this perfect example, right? If you have a local mom and pop fender dealer, go in there and look on the tags and see if you can find a date. You won't. Take a couple of the serial numbers down, take a picture with your phone and go home and look them up. And you will often find that many of the standard guitars that are hanging on the wall there have been hanging on the wall there for five or seven years. And yeah. that's why we've talked about this before on the show. The guitar industry is not a conservationist industry. We produce way more guitars every year than are sold. And they will continue to pump guitars out so long as some mom and pop is willing to buy them and go belly up when they have too much inventory and they can't afford to sell or they can't afford to, you know, continue operations. And that's right. not right. That's messed up. They don't, they, it's, it's knowing your market, knowing how big you really are. Right. So, um, we, we, we've talked to, you know, I don't think we had any pedal builders on here, on here before, but, um, no. we've had conversations with pedal builders on the side. I, I know I have who were that, where yeah. they, where they will tell you, you know, we don't produce 10,000 of this pedal because there's no market for it. And you go, well, how are you going to grow right. your company? And they go, we're not interested in growing the company. Like we're completely comfortable where we at, where everybody is making a good living wage and we have enough money to pay, have pay increases and stuff every year. And, you know, we're selling enough pedals to, to pay the bills and you stop yep. and you think about that for a minute. That's a whole other paradigm that, you know, you don't have to grow. You don't have to make your company super big. And I think that's where Fender and right. Gibson have kind of lost things is they've decided that they're just going to continue to grow irregardless of whether the industry supports it or not, or the market supports it. So as long as there's these collectors yeah. out there who will snatch up like at the end of uh, so we're in 2019 now at the end of 2020, when Gibson announces their new line and they, and they discount all the prices, or at least the retailers discount all the prices on the 2019s, there will be a slew of collectors that will swarm through your local guitar shops who will buy all the interesting stuff and you'll be left with the leftovers. Well, what will be interesting is if Gibson does any of that, because yeah, okay, I, don't the think I don't think they're going to this year, but right. The 2019s came out. I'm not talking about the ones that are, that are now that yeah. are not dated. So the 2019s came out. They've already been discounted. Most of them are gone. Yeah. So are you when you – Because this is 2019. I think they're still producing 2019s. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. So, okay. So in 2018, before JC came in, obviously Gibson started making 2019s in 2018. Well, that's so my, like your car well, That's model, my point. Right? Is like I don't consider that so, – that's the new model line, but I consider the actual year it was produced. Right. So you right. look at so, the serial date. Right. Yeah. So I'm just saying that the ones that say 2019 on them, made, model made in 2019, those are pretty much gone. So what you're seeing now, the ones that I was talking about earlier, right? There's six um, colors. Yeah. There's three colors in each year except for the 50s uh, P90. That's just in gold top. So you've got <clears throat> some T50 
T-bursts, lemon right. bursts. I mean, we don't need to we don't care about the colors. Doesn't matter. But what's important is they said we're not gonna go and do a bunch of colors. We're not gonna we're not gonna date our guitars anymore. You'll have a 50 style, a oh, 60 right, right. style. They cha- but they change things. So that you're right. They're they're not gonna probably do right. that next year because they rely they gotta hold on to it for at least a year. But that doesn't necessarily too. mean they're not gonna produce a bunch more guitars. And oh no, no. That's that now so at some point old models have to get discounted and the retailer will be up at their discretion to determine how they price those discounts because they can't well, just see, say, just well, it. we're going to arbitrarily say everything we bought last year is going to be this much. Right. So that's, that's the thing that I was getting at. So next year it, is the dealer going to be, is Gibson going to be able to hold the dealer to say, yeah, you got to buy X number of guitars from us. That's We've a, already that's got a really good Y number question on the- to speculate on. I could see a couple scenarios playing out there. Number one is of course they say, you know what? It's open season. You can average the prices together and you can sell them at this, which that would be, right. that would be the obvious one, right? Like the open season model yep. where it's like, okay, so you just got to make at least this much off of them. And then anything in there is fair game. Um, yep. I could see Gibson saying, listen, um, we're giving all of our dealers the ability to mark the guitars down 30% between this month and this month. And then right. in that month, you're going to start receiving new guitars. Um, right. I could see Gibson doing something where uh, they let the amount of guitars sitting on the shelf. And I think this is probably the most interesting option they would have is based on the amount of guitars sitting on the shelf, they would be able to give an appropriate discount to all of their, the same discount to all of their dealers because they don't want to piss anybody off, but say, okay, so you've got, we we know that there's, you know, 30% of the guitars left over from last year. So what we'll do is we will discount, the the guitars coming in this year and the guitars last year by seven percent, and right. that's the new that's the new list price for the following year. Or they can attach bonuses to it. So if you look at the way cars work, right, every year a new car comes out, right, nine times out of ten, there's no change in the car, right. The twenty, yeah, they usually do a refresh like three years in, and then other than that, there's nothing, right. So if if Gibson goes the way of the car dealer, which they could do. Um, they could say, okay, you got end of year model at the end of the, at the end of the year, which is coming up November, December, we'll allow you to discount the guitars. Um, and then like you said, we'll allow you to discount the guitars and the number that if you reach this threshold number of sales, that's what car dealerships do. Cause they always tell you like, oh, you're only, you're getting this car $50 above cost. You're like, how the hell are they making any money? That ain't, that ain't the guitars. real cost. That's why. <laughs> because, well, right. So what the key dealers do is they get the they get the car in, right? And then if they sell X number of yeah, it's consignment, model, basically. Right. Then they get a bunch of money and they get a bonus check from them. So they really, it's not the, it's the cost of the guitar. Legally, they can say it's the cost of the guitar, but it's not the cost of the guitar. They get or the car. The car was, was, um, was marked down a certain amount. They got a certain right. money back. So this this is something that Gibson and you know any of them could apply is instead of marking last year's down, because that's all people do. The smart people are like, I don't have to have it today. I'll wait 10 months. I'll and buy it when it gets marked I was down. I'm just going to get to that because they had done that for like five years in a row because Gibson started yeah. attaching the date to the, to the model, which was really weird uh, in the guitar yep. community. Um, they started attaching the date to the model and then the retailers picked up on it and then they were using that for the pricing. Like 
that immediately becomes big red flag, big red flag, because everybody knows if you wait until January, you're going to get that guitar yep. for $500 or $700 off. That's and right. that's the kind of discounts they were getting. I mean, I right? bought I bought a a desirable 2016 SG Standard T for yep. like $850. Right. I mean, which listed for like 13 yeah. or 1400 all year long. Yeah. So that's yeah. why I'm that's why I'm bringing this up is because I think they saw that hole and they realized they were losing their shirts on it and they went, "Nah, yeah. let's fix this." What what we'll do is we'll just keep the same models for three years, and right. and maybe then you get the three year markdown. But the three year markdown well, is not as bad. Do, it's it's a hard thing to do, but what they can do is in that three years they can find what the balance is right. of their sales because then they'll say, oh, you know what, people really did want us to do um, the lower cost um, thing, and they wanted us to keep um, the fifties and sixties and the and the P ninety. That's what they're looking for. Or they could say, you know what? No, we sold we sold more of the mo- the quote unquote modern. How was um, um I'm just trying to think about how this impacts the rest of the industry and how other companies handle this. Because Fender does not date their guitars, right? They're they're model names. And I can remember going through the American Standard series mm, and then Yeah, but the but the thing is, so I, I've been in the store um and I saw so the Fender Elites. Right are deeply discounted yeah right i know now. i saw an elite brand new on the shelf didn't they announce new ones um is that why yeah yeah so now this this elite that's hanging on the shelf um the elite uh precision was like 300 dollars off I, and the elite strat was like 600 dollars off like, whoa. i would make i would make a suggestion guess right that Fender can afford Fender. So what is, I, I know this is going to sound crazy, but like get stop and put yourself in Fender's shoes. Fender sells more. And I've heard this from sales reps that work for them. They sell more American standard guitars than anything else in their lineup. And I know, and they stopped making the American. Standard. Well, they don't call it an American standard. Now they call it the professional series or whatever. The American professional standard professional. That's or what I was getting at. But, but, yeah. but yeah, yeah, but you know what I mean? So, yeah. That particular model base was their bread and yeah. butter. And that that's why they've worked so Still hard is. to keep that guitar down in price versus all of its competition, right? Because they know that that's going to be their bread and butter. Now, interesting thing to note is when they were selling those guitars as the American Standard up until two or three years ago, um, they never dated them. Even though the features did change, they didn't date them because they didn't want to get into this trap where they were going to have to discount that line because it was older or whatever. And I can remember during the last transition when they went from the two point bridge to the, uh, the vintage style two point with the, you know, with the bent steel saddles. Cause before that they had, they had a more modern saddle design. Um, I can remember when they went between that one and they discounted the ones with the, uh, the modern saddles. Right. Yep. But they didn't discount them that deeply. I mean, I think they were $150 off when I, when I was seeing And they didn't last long either. So that, cause that's a highly desirable guitar. Like everybody wants to have a Strat yeah. in their closet um, or under their right. bed that they never touch, um, which it happens to people. So, uh, but I'm just, I'm oh, just yeah. wondering if Fender is like, they're kind of wise to this and that's why their marketing department doesn't handle things that way. Cause I'm, I'm assuming 
product development is probably a joint task of marketing and engineering at both of these companies. And yeah, so yeah. for them, like there's a engineering wants to build the best guitar they can. Marketing wants to build the cheapest guitar that they can because they're when they meet in the middle and that's how you get a product. Right. Um, because, you know, marketing wants to increase profits. Engineering wants to make good guitars because they know they'll sell better. So yeah. there's kind of, it's a little give and take on both sides, obviously. But um, I think when you, when you look at a company like that and you kind of notice how they, they do things differently, I think Gibson's looking at what other companies are doing. And I don't, I don't, as I said, the whole year thing, I don't see that happening in any Guitar manufacturers, PRS doesn't do it. Schecter doesn't do it. Um, they don't. They don't attach a year to the guitar name. They just don't. No, not to which the was name. really strange because Gibson did for a while. Like you would go and on their site and it, they would have everything under 2016 models, and you'd go, "Wait, what?" Right, right. And when you think about it, um, they made sweeping changes every year. It wasn't just okay. We got these colors. They changed the pickups. They changed what they were using. Well, tuners, they changed. And some of that, and I mean, some of that was them like scared shitless because they were losing money hand over fist and they were trying to figure out what the customers really wanted instead of actually going and right. doing focus groups and talking to guitar players. They just said, we'll just make a bunch of shit and see what, and see what sticks. Well, that's it. Yeah. And Fender made similar boo-boos in the seventies. Now I don't know why Gibson couldn't learn from Fender's seventies mistakes, but it's not the same company. FMIC is different than CBS. Now. Yeah. Well, with CBS, yeah, but the Fender did the same thing. Now, if you look though, that's what you just said about Fender and the fact that the standard is the is the yardstick. Was the yardstick? What's the yardstick? Yeah, was the yardstick? I can tell you this right now. So I watch people come into Guitar Center, and they'll say, "I want American Standard." And you know what they say? Well, they still make it, but it's called this now. You know what the people are are saying? Not interested. Not interested. And and it's like because they it's unfortunate, but you can't tell what's somebody from not being, that new Coke and old Coke is the what's same. What's the feedback from not being interested? Because I because I can provide some feedback for you on that 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 it's pretty obvious. I'm sure you're probably guessing where I'm going with this, but Yeah, go ahead. All right. So I saw wasn't today, it was it was like a week or two ago. Um Negashar shop, same question, you know. I, I have an American standard. I'm looking for something that's similar. Um, I'd like to have a second guitar, you know. And they're like, well, they don't make the American standard line anymore. And they said they transitioned that line and just basically renamed it. And it's, you know, the professional whatever. I forget what the model is. But anyway, um, he goes in and so they go over, they look at it. And he goes, this is quite a bit more expensive than what I paid for my American standard. Now, a yep. couple of things. You mm-hmm. don't know how long ago he bought his American standard. It could be five years ago. That's right. They 10 years ago, 20 years. like, all right. So in 2003, do you know what, do you know what the price of an American standard was? $750, $700. What's yeah. the price now? $1,500, $1,500. So stop and think about it. They've doubled in price in 20 years. Yeah. Now, now that's not I've, necessarily a bad thing because they've improved the quality too. But, um, I think that's the bigger shock to people that go in. Cause if you're like, let's say if you go in and you're like, I'm going to buy an American standard, right? If you're not a gear huh. guy, right, or a gear gal, whatever you know, whatever flo- or whatever floats your boat in between, um, right. you go into the store and you you have this guitar at home and you know it's an American standard. You know Fender's always produced an American standard, and then all of a sudden you have this shock 
of talking to the person and finding out they're not producing that line anymore and it's now called this and then they take you and they show you the price you don't go into guitar stores every day that's $750 versus $1500 doesn't make any sense to you so so you That's panic right. and then what do you do and i think fender positioned themselves on this way for a reason you grab the you grab the uh, the um performer series i was just going to say just as good as that $750 american standard you have you all right i was going to say you either you grab a performer or they the fact is, I think that they've hurt themselves with these. You grab the new um, Ventura series. Yeah. Or even worse, I say worse, for Fender, you grab yourself a classic vibe. Yeah. And the new classic vibes are supposedly even better than the old classic vibes. And the classic vibes, a lot of people rage about the classic I vibe. I wonder if the current classic vibe, if their profit margins are not so good on that guitar that they're willing to cannibalize sales on the rest of the line. I wonder, because, you know, they raised the price on them, I think it was three years ago, by 100 bucks. Yeah. And I... The classic yeah. vibes. Well, I yeah. think basically and, the and, whole Squire line, right? Um, and they come up another little bit, not a bunch, but a little bit, and they've said, oh, look at this. We've made all these improvements to the classic vibe. Yeah, I mean, I, so, and, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that the, the Squire... You know, the whole stigma against the Squire name and logo has kind of disappeared. Um, and, and funny how that happened, because I know as little as 10 years ago, people were like, Squire, spit oh, yeah. on the ground, you know. Um, it's yep. just not that way anymore. Um, I I think if you're going to modify a guitar, like if you want to just buy a neck and a body, and you want to get a solid neck and a solid body, I think, I think Squire's the way to go. I don't even think I would yeah. buy. I don't think I would bother to buy a Fender. And they've got some they've got cool. some interesting model selection right now. I mean, I'm looking at their website as I'm talking to you. Um, I'm not a big fan of everything they do. I think the Affinity series now is actually decent. Um, I do like the classic vibe seventies. Um, I played one of those today, in fact. And I'm not usually a fan of the big headstock guitars, but the one I played was pretty good. Um yep. And of course, they're doing the you know Indian Laurel on that. I actually wanted to check because I wasn't sure what fingerboard material they were using. Um, but you know, I'm looking here, and I and they've got so many models in that line. I mean, they got to be making a hand over fist on these things. They got it down to a science on how to produce guitars. In I think these are coming out of China, um, out of China that are worth owning for like little amounts of money. I mean, honestly, dude, I'm and they, and they're, almost the whole line is available in Lefty. It looks like, yeah, which is that's unheard of, you know. Um, do they even have a contemporary active strat with with a Floyd? Call me when they get seven string models. I'll be I'll be ready. Um, I don't know if Fender will ever do a seven. They have. I, mean, I think they tried. They have. Yeah, a while back. And the Showman. Yep. Um, so I don't know. I, 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 so I think I, this is my takeaway from looking at Fender models, even just looking at the Squire series. Um, Fender has too many models. It's had too many models for a really long time. Um, oh, it, same thing as, same thing as You've with got, Gibson. Like when you got people coming in and they're confused at what they're looking at when they're looking at your brand. When they're looking at a, at a, at a standard, the Les Paul standard was the standard, but 
then all of a sudden it was, well, do you want a standard with this? Yeah. Do you want a standard with that? Do you want, do you want burst marker pros? Do you want, um, you know, T at, what was it? Uh, the, the 480T, 490T? Do you want to, um, you know, it's like, can I just get a American, a, a Fender, or I mean a Les Paul standard? And you didn't know from year to year what you were going to get with it. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of times, I mean, you look at it and you go, oh, okay, now I got to figure out what year that was and what pickups were in it when they when they got it. I got to find out what tuners were on it and so on and so forth. Right now, Fender has got just, I mean, you've got the Vintera. Um, you've got uh, the, well, just in Squire, you've got Squire, you've got um, obviously the two low ends. You've got the class, there are the Bullet and the Affinity. But then you've got the Classic Fives, you've got the Contemporary, you've got, there's another one. The player series are Mexican made, right? Now you're right? talking about, so that's the thing, like, you're so, not even halfway through the line. Dude, when you look at their no. their, their artist line, one, two, three, four, five, oh six, God. seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty one, twenty two, twenty three, twenty four, twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty, thirty one, thirty two, thirty two 32 different models in one series, right? And not only that, but they're like super specific guitars. Like here's a Lincoln Brewster Stratocaster. Here's a Brit Daniel Telly, right? Uh, here's, you know, why is this Fender EOB Sustainer Stratocaster? EOB. Now the Flame Power Top Stratocaster? Yeah, it's just getting out of hand. Like some of these shouldn't even, they should just be special runs. They shouldn't even be like, this is a different model. This is the same model as this other one, but it's just a different now I'm going to sit here and I'm going to say this, and I know we've got Fender fans in the group, and I know we got Fender fans that listen to other podcasts and stuff that will listen to ours at some point. Look, I'm not, I'm a Fender guy at heart. I've owned Fender guitars. I've owned many Fender guitars. Jim owns several right now. I'm not saying the company's yeah. doing everything wrong. I'm just saying that at no. some point this is going to come knocking, and they're going to have to start reducing. Yeah, they got to say line, all right because it's getting crazy. Yeah, they got to say all right. That's enough. Yeah, because I mean. I'm looking at, at Fender's site right now and, you know, just at the front page and uh, now they're coming out with flame tops and uh, thin lines inside the Fender Rarities collection. I want a thin line. I really do. But I don't want to pay through the nose for a thin line. I just want a thin line. I, I don't need it to be a rare top or a flame top or whatever. I just want a thin line Telecaster. But when I look for a thin line Telecaster, I'm looking either classic vibe or I've got to jump all the way up to the elite. I've got nothing in between anymore because otherwise I got to get four freaking controls. I want two controls. I want a Telecaster, not a freaking Les Paul. I want a Telecaster. Can I, can I, can I say something? <laughs> so I just noticed yeah. that they're still doing the mod shop, which is kind of surprising to me. Um, That's cool. Cause I don't know. I've never met a person who's bought a guitar through the mod shop. Um, nope. I, most people I know don't even know. Yeah, about. so I'm looking here. They they offer you a couple of neck choices, but there's no um, compound radius neck available for. That's really messed up. What? Yeah, no, no compound really? radius neck in the mod. Nine and a half inch radius. Oh Jesus! They got. They're advertising now. They're doing roasted roasted maple. Yeah, they're doing roasted which, maple now, and they're. And they're putting Who roasted maple on the, yeah, I know everybody's doing it and they're putting it. Oh, that was the other thing with the PRS uh, 2020s, putting roasted maple on the, on the in imports, the SEs. Yeah. 
So some of the SAs are going to wind up with roasted maple. But anyway, coming back to this, I'm looking just at, without going under um, anything else. This is this is the list of guitars that Fender makes without going into the fact that every one of them variation. pretty much has all these lines. Strat, Tele, Acoustasonic, Jaguar, Mas uh, Jazzmaster, Duosonic, Mustang. So if you look at that, you've got all your Squire models of those and all of your, um, you know, uh, Fender import line from Mexico from those. And then all the Fender, uh, you know, I, I go into Guitar Center, I'm like, holy crap. And, and they can't possibly, the problem is you see one online, you go, wow, I really want to try that guitar, one in that color. You the, the stores couldn't possibly carry the line. You would have a store full of Fenders. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a surprise to me. I mean, that sounds that sounds about par for the course for them. Um, I mean, the Strat just in the just in the ones that are not in the, in the Squire line, you've got the Mod Shop, of course. You got the American Professional, the American Original, the American Elite, the American Performer. Come on, the Vintera, which is new. The Deluxe, uh, the Vintera is arguably new because they had the uh, they used to have the the um, yeah. timeline series or whatever before yeah yeah yeah. that are called it anyway the Vintera, the deluxe the artist and the player and each one of those under those has models so if you went to let's say you said oh you know what i want to look at an elite well elite comes in several different forms you've got the uh and i mean holy smoke these rarities are twenty five hundred dollars um, anyway, uh, the elite, oh, now they got a fifties. Oh my God. That's not even listed. So here's some more that aren't even listed in that list at the top. I mean, it's just crazy. So if I go to the elite, I can get an SSS yeah. or an HSS, yeah. right? I mean, it's just crazy. Um, I don't know. I think, honestly, I think they're basically running a custom shop right now and, and yeah. Like they just have a you want you want what a model that has a nine and a half inch radius, a, a thick C neck, um, and Stratocaster pickups and a Stratocaster body. Like we got this strat over here that does exactly that. And then oh, I want one with yep. roasted maple. We have this one over here that has that. You know, it's like it's to the point where it's almost like they offer so many models that you could just find what you need. But but the problem is if you're but, everything to all people, then you it's very hard to turn a profit. So the elite strat. And this is the thing that gets to me. So the Elite Strat um, comes in three colors, but none of them come without an ebony fretboard. So you have to get an Elite Strat HSS to get a maple fretboard. They don't even make a maple fretboard of the Elite SSS. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. And I know that some color combinations, they don't do a maple fretboard with that color combination so you can go within the line and find a color combination well and the funny find. thing is if you look at the picture of their elite american elite stratocaster on their website it has the worst no. ebony board i've ever seen i know and the and the um but that one at least I'm has okay with the nine with and a half to 14 inch i want to preface this i'm okay with with streaked ebony but there are a lot of people like if yeah. it's ebony it needs to be pitch black it needs to be bright dark all the way through. um 
And if so, if you're going to take a picture of one, find one that's dark. Always. You know, the other thing I think holds Fender back um, when I pick up one, like in the store or whatever, they always have the crappiest strings on them because they have that Fender oh, set of strings that just, it just corrodes. Yep. Like before you even take it out of the box, it's got to be nasty. Um, and I, the first thing I do when I buy like a Fender is I'll throw another set of strings on it. And then it usually makes them, you know, a hundred percent better because they just, they don't like any guitar with crap strings sounds like crap and it plays like crap. Um, so the uh, the elites have come down in price. They're seventeen forty nine. They were. I wonder if they dropped the price because the uh, because they weren't selling well. If it's not that there's new models coming, because I thought they were going to announce new models. That was the rumor, but I'll bet you they've lowered the price because they weren't selling well at two grand. Uh, yep, and the HSS is at sixteen. The thing is, I I I picked up an elite, and I thought, I thought, yeah, I mean, it's a two thousand dollars Stratocaster. It, it plays. It yeah, bridges the nice. gap between. Yeah what used to be the American standard and the custom shop stuff. Um, yep. So I've owned, and they do make, I've owned, hand. let's go back and let's, let's talk about my trajectory here. I've owned a Stevie Ray Von Strat. I have a Jimmy Von Strat right now. I have, and I've had that guitar for almost 20 years. Um, I've had, I had an American standard Strat. I've had a square Telecaster. I mean, Fender's gotten their money from me over the years. I bought probably half dozen or yeah. more guitars from them. Um, and they were all bought new, I think. Uh, the Stevie Ray Vaughan Strat was not new when I bought it. Yeah. I've bought an American Standard, the Deluxe yeah. Strat, and Deluxe new. And the Deluxe Telly. My, the the one that's my son's here, yeah. the red one, used. that's his, but that's that was used. And the Squire bullet was broken. Or not. Yeah, it was damaged. I'm sorry. The Infinity was broken. It was damaged. It's not broken. Nothing wrong. Honestly. Is that where your pickups are going? Yeah, I got to cut that pickup out. I forgot to do that this week. I got to send that off tomorrow. Or not that tomorrow, should, but yeah, Tuesday. Yeah, it shouldn't take very long. You probably have to. Tomorrow's Columbus? It'll take two days. Yeah, yeah it'll take two days to get there. Tomorrow's Columbus Day for everybody. Yeah. Tomorrow's Columbus Day. <laughs> yeah. And we don't, although I have the day off and I will take the day off, I'm not celebrating Columbus Day. My, I'm my just wife, happy to have a free day off. It is in Indigenous People's Day. It is Indigenous People's Day and I will celebrate it as such. I will celebrate it as a day in our history that was important. <laughs> That's right. I, I have no idea why it was important because it was October yes, 14th. Many varying accounts as to why the day is important. Many things. Um some people will say that the man that that originated or that the holiday originated about is an evil bastard who did some things. I would probably agree. Um, <laughs> some would also say that the historical record shows that he was under threat of death in order to do some of those things. So um, I don't think anybody can can look at a time period in our in our uh, our history that is quite as tumultuous as some of the things that were going on in the Middle Ages and the Renaissance and. And pretend like, you know, everybody was, was good people. <laughs> like, the, I will say exactly. that the indigenous peoples tend to be much better than, than the, uh, than those that, uh, you know, had the, the word conquistador <laughs> attached to their yes. name. Um, Not exactly. Yeah, well, uh, so, uh, celebrate as you see fit, you know. That's right. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I, I'm 
Hey, I'm not I'm not Irish, but if the bar has a um, a break on the beer because it's got green coloring, and I'll neither I'll, of the big two right now is trying to get my business. And uh, what's that? You're talking about yeah, Fender I mean, and just not and, trying to uh, produce products I want. Um, Fender. Well, so I'm I've been interested in the American for four. Yeah, for a little but you're while. still playing. You're the, playing six strings, and but I but the thing is, I, I yeah, but I like my. I like my current one. So the only reason I would get a performer is because I would say, oh, I want a single score. Well, let me ask you. Let me ask you. Let me ask you to put, your, put, put a hat on a hat of a different player yep. and then try to and then yep. try to determine which company you would go to out of the big two. Right. Yeah. Out of the big two. So if you're going to play gent like genty style metal. Who makes the guitar for you? It, neither neither of, them. of them. That's right. Neither of them. And that's a whole part of the market that they're not even talking about, which is growing. Yep. Um, yeah, it is. As much as in players, in in learners, in I mean, so many young players that want to play that style of music. I couldn't play it no. if I wanted to. I have to. My hats are off to it. And it's I, not. I it's not about it. like trying to do it. But I'm just saying, like, they don't produce yep. a guitar for that market. They. Nope. Not in the now, least. you could probably make the argument that Fender has like the Jim Root, like the Slipknot stuff. but And I think there's some genre crossover compatibility there, but I don't think it's firmly geared at the Gent kids. And, and no, I don't think Jim, I could, I don't think you could call Jim Root Gent. No, no. But I mean, but I'm saying, will it Gent? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, um, sure. But, but again, those guitars don't have like the, if you, I, I the way I look at Gent is like, Extended range, number one. Um, lots of seven and eight string guitars in jet music. Yep. And you're going to find uh, headless guitars usually for companies that are produced. They'll have a headless model. It won't necessarily be the whole thing they do. Floyd Roses, Ever Tunes. Okay, so, so an, an exciting thing that Agnesi didn't say, but he was asked and said he couldn't say anything. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Uh, during his uh, recent interview with the captain, was Steinberger? Yeah. Steinberg, Did I say it Steinberger's right? Steinberger? coming back. That's Steinberg's that's pretty much back. that's pretty much a done deal at this point. I think that is going to be their their shot across the bow of Strandberg, who kind of took Steinberger's you and, know and, thing. And, and to your point. In the Fender wheelhouse of companies, there's Charvel. Yep. There and now Charvel's not producing seven strings, but there's Jackson, right? And that's yep. and and mm-hmm. um, that's definitely firmly, you know, got some guitars that are in that camp. So if you go into the extension and, brands, it's a different thing. Um, and I think I'm more excited about Steinberger um, and, Kramer. and Kramer. I was just going to say Kramer as well, but I'm more excited about Steinberger because obviously I, my heart, you know, goes out to the headless guitar. But I think. We're finally going to see them do something with the the Steinberger patents. Nobody really liked the broom right. handle guitars, right? Nobody liked the brooms. No, I, I'm sure there's like no. a like a niche market for those, which is why the Music Yo thing happened, and like they were selling all the Spirit line of guitars and all that. Um, but I but yep. I could totally see them coming back with the Steinberger style of trans trem, all the you know the because you need a company like Gibson to back it. Nope. And we're, Nobody else is doing that trans trend. Uh, actually, I think I think the patents expired on that. But as the a, problem is, you need a string manufacturer to sign on with you, 
And in order for that to work, you got to be a company like Gibson who can go to Daddario and say, look, we will pay you X amount of dollars to manufacture I, these strings for us and put your name and you can put you your name have- on them. Cause then it looks like it comes from a third party. You know what I mean? Um, yep. And for, and for them, you know, if you want to trans trim equip guitar, yes, great. But I could see them even trying to come up with something that kind of competes with the Evertune um, that yep. is headless. And cause that's kind of the Gibson thing, right? It's like the stop tail bridge, no, no vibrato bar or anything like that. Um, but the trans trim is probably their single single biggest asset with Steinberger. They did have that one, was it called the Synapse or the XT the XT or something? They did have a they did have a Steinberger I, with a trans trim that Gibson was producing, XT. but it was coming from Korea, I think. And it was yeah, I played one. It's a damn good guitar. Um, I couldn't get used to like you said the broomstick. I couldn't get used to a guitar without a body. Yeah, and this had body. The the one I'm talking about did. And they produce guitars and bodies too. So I could just see them getting back into the market and coming up with the the Strandberg, you know, alike. That's more traditional, more kind of like what you would expect from um, like a Stratocaster or something like that. And yet suitably modern to capture new players' interest. Yeah. And what's funny is, so you, you mentioned Daddario, but I think it was Ernie Ball that was making their strings before. But regardless, all they've really, all that Gibson's got to do is say, hey guys, Remember those Ernie balls that you were making before? Yeah. Just it was Labella you know, actually that was making the, dust, the double ball ends. Dust. Yeah. Was it? It was Labella. That's Labella. Right. Labella. Damn near non-existent That's why today. Um, yep. But you could you could go okay, dust off the old gear, uh, old yeah. equipment, and pump those well, things out. I and then again and then again comes to the fact that like they have to decide whether they want to do trans trims or not, and maybe the trans trim right. is like a modern model. But you'd have to pay extra money to get exactly. one, and then you could get the double ball and string thing going. What was it? Three or four tunings, right? Uh, that you could I have believe you there. could drop it down and uh, a perfect fifth, and yep. it it could hold it could hold tuning all the way down to a perfect fifth, and you would just lock the bar in place, yep. and suddenly you were in a different tuning. It was like having a capo, um, which yeah. to me, since it went down, and I think it also went up. You could adjust it so you could go three yes. steps up or like three steps down. That's a Genter's dream right there. Could you imagine? Like, I, I would be so thrilled if I could lock my tuning. Like, you know, if I have a seven string with a you know low B and I could lock it down to an A. You know, yeah, yeah. Mid-song. That's you could do that, it. Mid-song. I mean, uh, there was a couple of Van Halen tunes that got used on, which we probably should segue. Uh, if you're reading the news, or if you're listening to the news, something we've talked about on the show before. Uh, apparently Eddie has cancer again, or never didn't have cancer or whatever. Uh, Apparently he's been going to Germany for treatment for a really long time. Um, and I just want to remind people, (laughs) this is me tooting my own horn. I've been suspect of this for a very long time. Um, because the kinds of cancer that they were talking about him having and some of the things that he had said about his health and the way he had appeared in interviews and things. I didn't think he was over it. Um, but I think that he's yeah. found a way to live with it and whatever. Yeah. So then of course, David Lee Roth does that thing where he says, we're done. Like Van Halen's done. We're not touring anymore or whatever. And yet everybody's starting to wonder about Eddie's health. Um, well, it, it's possibility. I mean, Valerie Burton, Ernie, um, went, Ernie. with him, <laughs> she, I mean, 
let's face it, they have not been a thing for a long time. Is he still using metal guitar picks? Does anybody know? Is he still licking the guitar pick? Is that is that is that still a thing? I I was having an interesting conversation with uh, one of our our show listeners, um, and we we talked in the last show about not worshiping your heroes, like to the point where you become them, or or playing guitar for the wrong reasons, playing the guitar to be someone else. I want to I want to kind of speak to that for a minute and say like like Eddie Van Halen is is he has he has had some critical contributions to guitar. He brought tapping to the mainstream. He um obviously wrote some of like the most well-known riffs of the 1980s. Um some of the best synth hooks have come out of Van Halen's hands as well. Um and his brother is, you know, totally underrated talent. Um and he's he's not oh. underrated. Like everybody knows that Eddie can play. I'm not going to be the guy that pretends like Eddie's one of the big three. Cause I know there are people who said like Clapton Hendrix and, and Eddie Van Halen are the top three, two of those guys I don't like very much. And I think, you know, which one I love. So, um, the reason why I say that is because it's like, well, everybody has their different things, right? Um, you hear about this news about Eddie. Yeah. I mean, I know Eddie's a controversial figure in music, right? And whether you know this or not, like Eddie's a yep. jerk. Okay, he's been a jerk to a lot of people over the years and has, I mean, the story. All right. So if one story had come out, that would be one thing. If five stories had come out, that had been one thing. But the thing is, everybody who's had a working relationship in some way can tell you a dozen stories about Eddie being a jerk. And when you hear people that worked with him on the line over at PV talk about him coming in and literally picking up guitars and throwing them across the room. And then being like, it's not in tune. It's not good enough. First off, you're not quality control. Second off, your name's attached to the guitar, but that doesn't entitle you to like throw a guitar across the room and act like a buffoon. Um, Belittle employees. That's, that's a, honestly, if I'd been running that company and I had, I had a client come in and talk to my employees that way, I would have terminated the relationship with that person immediately because that's, you can't have that that's a liability for you as an owner of a company. And that's not me as a millennial talking. That is literally a liability that faces all companies. If you have somebody call up and harass your people on the phone, I'll be it sexually or to, to um, just, just harass them, like make them feel uncomfortable and stuff. That's a, you can get prosecuted, sued and whatever else for that. I mean, that's, it's a, there's laws against that. So I hear about that going on. I'm like, man, must've been a different time over at PV when they let Eddie behave that way. Um, and yep. I, uh, I, I've taken the summation of all these stories and I go, you know, I know that people love Eddie and like, it's going to be a sad moment when he dies. If he dies anytime soon, uh, he will yep. die. He, he everyone's going to die eventually. Right. Um, right and when right. he passes, like everybody's going to, it's going to be kind of like the Hendrix moment. Everybody's going to stop and reflect upon all his playing and all his records are going to go to number one again. The, the band's records are going to go to number one again. And, uh, it'll be a big deal, but I'm going to be the guy yep. in the back of the room. Unfortunately, who's probably sitting there kind of like, yeah, he was really good. And I'm really sad that he's gone. And I really, you know, my heart goes out to his family and, and all the people that needed him for support, you know, his employees and everything. But yep. I don't, I mean, the way people, he's treated people, it's, it's hard to like see him as a person anymore um, and less of a machine. 
Now, when he was younger, he did some great interviews and he was a nice guy and he seemed to be like really cordial and he was having a good time. He was obviously a young dude and like had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, but he was, he seemed like a good dude in those interviews. But when he does an interview with Rolling Stone, where he takes time out to trash Taylor Swift, who he clearly hadn't even listened to the record, you know, and, and was just like, well, I'm beyond that. Like, what are you on? Like, what planet are you on? Let me remind you of how your last record performed and the record before that. You know, it, yeah. it's like, dude, at some point you have to reflect on your career and go, you know what? I'm done and over with. Like, I kind of messed it up. And they had a good run. He can't complain. I mean, how many number one records, how many number one singles, like how many tours, how many, you know, you think about very few bands have had the success that Van Halen did. You can't be mad when you put out Van Halen three. Is that what it was? The, uh, the balance record or whatever, the one with uh, Gary Sharon. That wasn't like a self-titled thing again. Ugh. And and yes. like, nobody likes that record. I, I I say that there are people out there that actually do like that record, but the vast majority of Van Halen fans are like, what were they thinking? And then you got to kind of like take a step back and realize, you know, they did the um, they did the the greatest hits compilation where they did the two or three songs that are on it. And remember, they had David Lee Roth come into the studio to do Humans Being, and uh, some one of the other songs, yep. and then one of them ended up on the Twister soundtrack. And that that best of compilation went platinum, like multi-platinum. But then oh, yeah. I do too. I have it. And then after that, they did that one album with, I, I think it was David Lee Roth, right? They did another record with, with uh, DLR. And DLR, yeah. it was bad, like really bad. Um, and I think the only reason they actually did that record, I'm going to, I'm going to, speculate was because Eddie had signed new equipment deals. He had just moved to Fender. He was, and, and remember they did oh, yeah, a tour yeah. too. And I think that was all to drive sales of equipment. I don't think, I don't think their heart was in it. I don't think their, their mind was in it. I, and you know, Alex has got deals too. I mean, he's got endorsements. Um, I don't think Alex, I, I always got the feeling that Alex was a lot more reserved with his money and his behavior. And so yep. when things started to like get really bad for Eddie in the early nineties and he started kind of going off the deep end with his, uh, with his health and all that stuff. Like I think Alex was doing really well for himself. And so he's not as concerned about it, but that band is run by Eddie. Like it's really clear. Eddie says, let's go to her. Everybody gets on board. Um, Yep. And I really wonder if like the equipment sales is really that much of his income that he just, you know, that's, that's it now. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, look at, look at how much, how, how hard he's run that business, right? He was with Sterling ball or Ernie ball. Right. Um, and then yep. that, you know, under music man, which, was a pretty good deal from, from by all accounts, people who have kind of come out and talked about it today. It was a really good endorsement deal, especially for that time. There weren't auto, artist guitars at that time. Right. Um, that was right. That, they did exist, but it was like, you know, here Kramer, Kramer has this guitar and then they put it in somebody's hands and they're like, that's this model now. Um, but he was a guy that, you know, literally designed his model. Um, 
he does that, you know, and then he goes and he does, uh, he goes to PV because things didn't work out Ernie ball for whatever yep. reason, which I've heard there are personal reasons for that. Um, yep. he goes to PV. He has uh, a tumultuous time over there. And then as soon as he can get out of that deal, he goes over to, to Fender. And it's funny because in the course of this, like he started out and he was endorsing guitars. Actually, I take it back. His first endorsement was, was the bridges, the Floyd Rose. Then yeah. it was the guitars. Yep. Starting with Kramer, actually, because he was endorsing Kramer. And then when he realized that he could make more money by designing his own guitar, he took his deal and he went to, that's when he went to Ernie Ball. So this guy's had a long, extensive career of gear endorsements. And. Yep. Yep. Ernie Ball, PV. Um, and he's done a lot of it first, uh, too, right? Okay. Like. I'm sure he, yeah. as far as I know, he is the first signature amp holder with the 5150. And then they had the 5152, mm -hmm. which both of those amps are still highly sought after, um, the PVs. And then they have the yeah. 5153 now, which people like. Um, yep. And I, they have several variants of the 5153 now. I would not be surprised if in the next couple of years we don't see 5154 with an accompanying tour if he is not sick. Um, and yep. so I guess what I'm getting at is Eddie's got, he's got a lot of skin in the game and because of that, he's also, his business is very public. So I don't know who he, who this dude really is behind the scenes, but it really seems like he's out of right. touch with reality and it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Uh, he seems like a guy that's highly medicated. And yeah. I think a lot of these rumors kind of add up. But stop. We think about this. And the original, the original conversation was, do we worship these people when they pass? Like it's perfectly acceptable to go download a record, you know, re revisit the root of, you know, your thing with Eddie Van Halen or whatever, and to do all those things. I think it's when you, when you cross over into like, you feel, you feel as sad as his family does because you lost a part of your life. And it's like, well, no, because the music's still there. Like the individual is still right. there in some sense, um, which I know, Jim, you may have may feel different differently about about this. But I'm like, I, I still feel like I'll be the guy in the back of the room is like, yeah, I love Eddie's music. And like, I just don't know what kind of a person he was. And I'm not going to pretend like I did. Um, right. Well, no, I mean, so when we lost. Um, well. I I was over Cream's no, music well, a long Ginger, time. Well, Ginger did I mean, a lot of things I still outside love of Cream too. But Cream the funny thing about it is that he is also a guy that is known for being a complete jackass. Um, yeah. Um, but for me, I didn't. That didn't really hit me that hard. There were only two musicians that have ever really struck me when I when we lost them because. Of you know, but I didn't feel like family. I didn't, you know, I didn't ball for days. But um, John Lennon, and the only reason I felt so sad about John Lennon was because of everything that was surrounding the way he died. Yeah, you know, I mean, that was that was just a sad death overall. Now people die sad deaths all day. All day people. Can tell you that, but they don't get it. But I'll say, I'll say, a band like so. the Beatles that led a cultural revolution, because like them or not, right? The Beatles was the British invasion for all intents and purposes for most people. 
there may have been into other bands right. like Herman's Hermits and things like that as well, but the Beatles was the British invasion band and everybody had a Beatles record. Right. And they all had a favorite right. song. And, and when you find out like he, not only did this person pass, it wasn't like John got in a car accident or, or a, a plane crash like John Denver. He right. was killed. Like that's right. pretty messed burned. up. That's like yeah. dime getting shot. Right. <laughs> I mean, and that was the other one I was going to mention. So dime, losing dime when the way we did. I mean, I was not the world's biggest fan of Pantera, um, but to see a guy doing that stuff—he's what he loves. John Lennon was coming yeah. home from the studio. Dime was on stage playing, and somebody it's, shot him. You know, I can Shot. remember, like, some people talk about remembering 9-11, like, where they were when it happened, or or the Kennedy assassination. Yeah. I can remember where I was when I heard that Dimebag Daryl had died on stage. And, like, that's, so, I want to preface that a little bit, because I heard it the night it happened, right? I was actually awake, and it was, like, right. 1 o'clock in the morning, and it was on CNN. Yep. And, um... I can remember thinking, like, I was never, in fact, I, I, I'll, I'll come out and say it. I had a lot of magazines back then. I because there wasn't the internet like it is today. So I had I was buying Guitar World right. religiously, and every issue there was something going on with Dime or Zach Wild or both of them. Yep. Right, and I'm like, well, clearly yep. these are the only two guitar Remember? heroes that anybody cares about now, which actually kind of right. turned me off to those As magazines. Fact, what's funny is you mentioned that I had I was reading. One with the cover of those yep. two guys, yep. Zach and Dime, on the yeah, cover. I, I still I'm sure have you it. do. They're in camo, yeah. and and the implication camo was they guitars. were going to do a record with Eddie Van Halen. That was the. There was all kinds of rumors they were going to do a guitar, an album together, like you said, Eddie Van Halen, and so not a whole lot of people that Eddie Van Halen's going to go to a funeral and put his guitar in. The hole and have yeah, it buried. Yeah. So let's. What I want. I wanted to. Yeah, I wanted to ahead. get to. Um. So when he died, right? When he when he passed, um, I remember like thinking, "Oh it's crap! It's the dude that I don't even like." But I'm. But I can remember watching it, and going, "You know how awful would that be?" Because I was playing out at that time. How awful would that be to be right. like playing Take a gig and have some guy come in who you don't even know. Pull out a gun and try yeah. to shoot you, and then have like this like fight on stage, and then you get caught in the crossfire pretty much, and like yep. it would just be a nightmare. Like I, it is a nightmare. It, he lived a nightmare that night, and and then passed away because right. of it. Um, and then died. And yeah, I I think it's cool that we're talking about this because there's some other stuff. There's some YouTube content I actually want to talk about. Um, so. If if you put yourself in that position, did I mourn Dimebag Daryl? Hell yeah, I did. Hell yes, I did. And it wasn't just sympathy oh, yeah. because at that point I'm like, you know, there's enough people that this is on CNN that actually cared about this dude's music. And I still, I it took me several years to be able to get into Pantera. It really did. Um, I wasn't listening to Pantera yep. probably until four or five years after his death. But it was, for me, it was a transformative experience because. I I felt like the people that did that didn't discover Jimi Hendrix until after he'd passed. 
like it was on the news and they're like, oh, I better check this guy out because it's important enough that they're talking about it on the news. Yep. But at the same time, I also feel like the way that I grieve Dime is probably more consistent with the way that we probably should have, which is that this guy's the victim right. of a of a heinously violent act and was yep. really not inciting it at all. Like he was not a violent that's, dude at that, all. Well, that's what I was about to get to. So the other side of the John Lennon and the Dimebag Daryl thing was I never got to meet John Lennon. Yeah. Right. But everything I heard about him and everything, everybody I knew that did meet him said he was sweet. He was, you know, he was a nice guy. He lived in upstate. I did, little did I know he didn't live too far yeah. from me. Um, and he was murdered. Um, and he's a true pacifist. Right. Now you take dime back. Yes, he was, I got to meet him. He was a drinker and yeah, he did a little, you know, pot here and there and so on and so forth. But a little. let me <laughs> tell you something. Everybody I knew, and when I did meet him, what a genuinely friendly and gregarious super individual and I like, met. Super, super nice. And super he would sweet. give you the shirt off his back if he could. And I only met him a couple weeks before he passed. That's what hit me. So I'm sitting here. I'm reading it. I'm like, I'm talking to my wife, and I go, hey, that's the guy I met a couple weeks ago, yeah. you know, and, and such and such. And she goes, oh, that's nice. And then she goes, she points at yeah, the TV. And that just, it just, boom, right to the chest. It was like somebody now, just punched me. I just met the guy. just knew, wow, but what a nice guy. I don't think it's tragedy that's necessarily what's supposed to affect us, like when that stuff happens. I think it's just, I think certain situations deem certain action. Like, I'm sure, yep. I, I just like, I didn't live through the Leonard Skinner crash. I didn't live through. Um, yeah, I did. That was, I didn't that live was through, time. you know, John Denver dying in the plane crash. Like, th I did live through the Stevie Ray Vaughan thing. I was too young to know what was going on. Yep. I mean, definitely, like, you do grieve these people because you are connected to them. Yeah. And in fact, like, I honestly, I don't play any Pantera tunes in my set, but I've played enough Pantera music at the house that, like, I kind of, you know, it's like, it's a little strange to play it and think about it that way. Now, Jimi Hendrix yeah. died so long ago. And when I'm playing Hendrix tunes live, like I don't, I don't even, it doesn't even, doesn't phase me. Um, and partially because I feel like I'm keeping that music alive, but for the proximity yep. of like having sat through someone's demise like that and heard about it on the news and just being like, yeah. So could you imagine so, yeah, being so in I, that I venue, Jim? Through... That would be even, no, that would be even worse. No. I mean, but it wasn't very far away. There was a couple of friends of mine and I that were talking about going over there. Yeah, uh, it was Connecticut, right? No, that was Texas or Rhode Island. I thought he died. At I want to say it was. Hey, I'll look it up. Connecticut or Rhode Island? It's Northeast, Columbus, Ohio. Ohio, that's right. It's the other way. Yeah, yeah I don't know why I was thinking it was Texas. Oh, I know what I was thinking of. Uh, the, the fire that was a that was a tragedy too the whole white was it white white, um, white no white lion no. shark no see that's just that they all have with the name of this great white great white oh yeah great white great white that was sad too um you know when you the thing is that like when hendrix died i was six Seven? Did he die in seventy or seven, or was he at sixty nine? Was nineteen when when Dime went. 
Yeah. So I was, I was a kid when, but my family, you know, there were um, a lot of members of my family that were like, man, we lost, you know. And then of course, um, you know, you look at like I remember um, losing uh, George Harrison, and that was a that was a for me that was a to big me. one. I mean, I mean, traveling Wilburys, and of course, the, he's the, the only he Beatle that matters and, to me, frankly. Yeah, and and <laughs> yeah, kind of. Um, but you know, I think that the the hardest thing um, is that when you when you see when you see something on Facebook, somebody shares it and they're sad. They're probably they are probably genuinely sad. When David Bowie passed away, it didn't it didn't do it, a whole lot to me. Strike. Um, that's not to say that I don't care about his family. I don't care. His about record heart, actually deeply affected you know, me but, though. The last record he did, more so, yeah. specifically after his demise, because then it became clear what it was really about. Yeah, yeah. For me, um, his music really hit me when it was back. Spiders from Mars and that type of thing. That was really my my Bowie period. And that was when I, I stopped listening to him. Let's dance. I was like, all right, he's gone disco. I'm done. Um, but you take, uh, you take that, that whole thing. We're going to lose our icons. I mean, some of us have lost our parents. You know, I'm old enough that, you know, my father's passed away a long time ago and my mother is, is older. the, the fact is that that we're all mortal. We're all gonna we're all gonna pass. And as we look at the icons as we grew up, you you didn't even get to know Zappa no. as Zappa. You never got to see him live. I did. And, no. and Zappa was was a thing. I mean, we all sang the you, you know, so many snow. We so all many bands. Joe's Garage. So Pat many McGirl's bands and, like that. I. I have no connection. Like even some of the bands I grew up with, I, they, the people died before I even realized like what death was. Right. And right. I can remember like, right. now I'm going to date myself a little bit. I can remember when Kurt Cobain shot himself and I didn't, I right. didn't know what I, I mean at that time, even though I was listening to music, like I didn't know Nirvana was like three, you know, three out of the four songs on the radio that I was listening to at the time. Like, right. I mean, so, I mean, uh, again, I'm not a huge Nirvana fan, but yeah. it was important music, and it it spoke to you know bands that came after, um, you know, Kurt Cobain. It was a very sad. I guess. Thing. I guess what I'm trying to say you is know? like you can separate the the um, accomplishments of an individual from who the individual was, right? And the main thing is don't worship these people as gods. Like, stop and realize they're actual people. Right. They have flaws. It's not. Right. It's not as though Christ is up on the cross, and I know that's a, a specifically Christian right. reference. But I mean, we all have tragedy in, in religion. Um, that's that's right. a central tenet of a lot of religion. And so right. I'm just saying, like, we don't need to deify that. Okay, so nobody needs to when Eddie no. Van Halen dies, go, he's the greatest that ever lived, and all this stuff. Look, if you feel that way, that's one thing. But just understand that his music doesn't speak the same way to everybody else. No, no. So it doesn't speak yeah. at all to some people. I, yeah, it it did to me. I mean, 1978, when, when Van Halen came out, I was 14, right? I mean, that's when that album hit and everybody had to learn how to play Eruption. And, and it's just one of those things where when Eddie passes, here's why I won't feel, I'll feel 
um, sadness for his family, but why I won't feel any. Eddie Van Halen, just like Ginger Baker, hasn't put in anything that I cared about in years. John Lennon passed away. He had just put out Double Fantasy. As a matter of fact, he didn't even finish Double Fantasy. Double Fantasy was posthumous, if I remember right. So Yeah, I don't think – yeah, I think, um, I think it was some posthumous completion. But he had just finished it. He was putting it together. Yeah, like it was, was written and that's where he was they coming were just from the studio. finishing and finalizing performances and stuff. It was almost done. Well, so there's some debate you know, on that too. I just, but yeah. Yeah, I'm just sitting here watching The Wheel and all this other stuff, and I'm like – Wow, he, he was putting out some great music. He was finally back to being I feel John like, Lennon. Yeah, it was he was starting to get his grip on humanity and starting to get away from the drugs a little bit. Um Yep. I I mean Yeah, to do that, he went on a sailing he went sailing and got on a sailboat and sailed away and then came back to to get straight. You know, to help him get in touch with his um, with his life. So, I guess what I'm saying is like we're going to start losing a lot of people over the next couple of years. A lot of the um, a lot of the older guys are starting to age out, and they're you know getting diagnosed yep. with illnesses right and left. You know, I'm surprised Pete Townsend is still with us, to be honest. Um, <laughs> and everybody keeps saying, "When well, is Keith, Keith Richards, Richards 73 years old?" I mean. Um, I know. And he he's looks not, like he's a hundred and three. So um yeah. <laughs> uh, I I mean, nobody wants to see these people go. Um and they have made, you know, contributions to our lives. But just remember we don't like we don't know these people. And so Right. And they don't really know you. Yeah, yeah. When you think about it, they don't Unless know. Unless they you. do, and then if they do, that's cool. Um Right. Uh, then then right. I'm surprised you're listening well, to for our the podcast. most part because uh, you have more interesting yeah. stories to talk thanks about. Thanks for being here. Um, yeah, thanks thanks for tuning in. Um, <laughs> I I mean, I've had my brushes with um, some of these people, and, and you have too. Um, yep. You know, I was thinking we were talking about uh, Dime and his situation before his death, and the fact that they, there was the rumored Van Halen uh, album. Do you know how many people have said? Yeah they were going to do an album with dime like right before his death. He must, that just must've been the thing when he was drunk. Like that's all I could figure out was like, right. whenever he was drunk, I'm doing an album with yeah. you. We're going to get in the studio. Like as soon as I sober up and we're going to do a record. And yep. Um, the one that, the one that, that we should probably mention is uh Michelangelo video. And actually he's one of the few guys that I think, might have actually been telling the truth um because there was yeah yeah so i've seen some conversation with not necessarily dime but people who knew dime who said that you know he was a big fan of the hands without shadows thing and like um yep. had all the the instructional material that that video uh, was known for a lot of people used yep the body still use this stuff. stuff um yeah. But, but the reason why I say this is because I wouldn't be surprised to find out if if Zach Wilde ever comes out and tells all he might write a book at some point because Zach's getting up there. I, I suspect he'll want to he'll want to tell the yeah. story at some point. Um, well, Zach's starting to feel his his uh, humanity. I've seen I saw him on a recent interview. I, I want to say he's it was a different like three dude than he was back. twenty years ago for sure. He's a yeah, he's straight as an arrow now. He doesn't do any. And his coffee's good. Drugs by the way. and stuff. He has, uh, and, he's a brand yep. of Death Wish. It's really good. Um, 
Yep. But so this is what I was what I was trying to say. It was like I could see Zach writing a book where he explains the story as like, oh, they approached Eddie, and then Eddie was like, yeah, I'd love to do it, but then Eddie's health gets in the way, or um, it just doesn't pan out, and so they're talking about who else yep. they could work with, and then Dime throws out, well, I've been talking to Michelangelo Badio, kind of deal. And yeah. that kind of would that would have been an interesting because he's a different player than the, than the other two of those guys are. And really, they're all very different yeah. players. Zach Wilde is blues rock yeah. metal, right? And for sure, uh, Dime is like country metal. I mean, and, and and I mean that in the nicest possible way because he he uses a lot of like tritones and um, diminished yep. stuff and like scales that you wouldn't normally find in rock music. Um, Whereas yeah. Zach Wilde's a lot more meat and potatoes. And then you've got like somebody yep. like Michelangelo Badio, who's, you know, just another, yeah, like Classical. another realm. And it would be an interesting take. There've been some other records like that before. I think um, Brian May did what the starship record, which was Brian May, uh, oh, yeah. Brian May, Eddie Van Halen, somebody else, wasn't it? I don't remember who else it was. Yeah. It'd be interesting to, to look that up. Um, but they did a record together and, I mean, could you imagine Brian May and Eddie Van Halen getting in a room together? Um, you have the reserved no, English gentleman. I, I can't. Who, who has a PhD with a guy I that uh, thinks that his guitar picks give him mouth cancer. Um, I, I'm not making this up. I'm not. Um, you know, he, he so his he, he claims that the guitar picks, they were made of metal. And then the the same area on his tongue that was affected by cancer was where he used to store his picks um, when he was tabbing. Now, I mean, people put metal in their mouths all the time and don't get cancer. So what what was special about these picks? Like, what was he doing to it? Was he greasing them up? Okay, so the, the people who were on there, believe it or not, this is, this is some interesting folks. So it was Brian May. Um, it was Brian May and Friends, consisting of May, guitarist Eddie Van Halen, drummer Alan Gret Gratzer, He's from Ario Speedwagon. I, I thought that was interesting. Uh, Phil Chen, who played bass for uh, Jeff Beck and Rod Stewart, and uh, Fred Mendel, um, keyboardist for a lot of different people, and Roger Taylor. Yeah. Of course, that kind of makes sense. It was not meant for the tapes to be released. They had minimal and they, mixing. And, and I've heard it, release. and you could tell. <laughs> it was Starfleet. Starfleet. Yeah, the thing was um, called Starfleet. I wonder if they got yeah. Gene Roddenberry's permission. <laughs> Anyway, interesting. Um, so the other the other article that I alluded to um, in the Facebook group the other day was was a was Neil Schoen's revelation about how he gets uh, his guitars to play their best, and that is uh, his suggestion <laughs> that he uses uh, salami grease on the necks. I Italian salami <laughs> grease. I wonder how many freaking idiots and actually and that, believe and that. And that on top of that, he says he was inspired to do so by the late great late great jazz guitar legend Wes Montgomery. <laughs> now I don't know. He says this on Twitter, left. right? And he's got the <laughs> winky smiley face on there. Uh emoji emoji, yeah. emoticon, whatever. Um Yeah. Yeah. And I just kind of think like, wait a minute, like that that winky face means he's pulling a joke. Why like, did somebody like report exactly. this as an actual fact? How many people are sitting there going? Yeah, I got some salami in the kitchen. That. That might work. But if you know anything about salami, yep. 
Salami grease is not going to make it more slippery. It's not. <laughs> exactly. It's going to make it more sticky. And, uh, that's why and he did the winky all face. All the vegan Neil Schoen fans just lost their effing minds. <laughs> what do you mean you use salami grease? <laughs> There's barely any meat in these gym mats. Oh, my. <laughs> God. That's just... It's just proof that that there's no there's no line that he won't cross. Can we talk about how many times he's been married? (laughs) Oh my god! (laughs) Gosh, sometimes it's really fun to look up look up uh, information about like celebrities and especially music celebrities because they're not. So for whatever reason, like movie stars, they get followed around. You hear about everything they've ever done, right? Um, But like music people, you don't know that they've been married like six times. Or five times like Neil Schoen. <laughs> and it's like yep. well, something's not working there, clearly. Um, and many of these marriages actually lasted a significant amount of time. He was married from 76 to 86, 93 to 99. Wait a minute. 76 to 86, 87 to 92, 93 to 99, 01 to 08, and he's currently married since 2013. So if you stop and think about that, like it's not that he like he obviously had consistency to these marriages, but they don't last more than ten years. <laughs> yep. You know, like like his time in Santana's band, um, it didn't last more than ten years. But you mean you mean his, his yeah, band? Well, he, he, he tried to Santana get yeah, to he tried to get Santana moved out of the band, and apparently that's what he does in his marriages too. Oh, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> He's I like, was well, sitting, I'm the I was sitting in an open mic with the host, and uh, I won't say what open mic, and I won't say <laughs> what host. But um, he was, we were talking about Neil Sean. I was like, did you know he tried to get him get Santana thrown out of his own band? And he's like, wait, he was in Santana's band, and I was like, yeah, he's like 16 years old. Yeah, yeah. If you watch the if you watch the original video for Black Magic Woman, yeah, he's there. You can't miss him. He's there. He's you cannot miss him. He's got a big fro, and he's playing guitar. But he's there. You can you can he, see him. You know, playing and his um, I I I've wondered whether he actually that's the Woodstock performance, though, right? I don't know if that's he would have been I, old I, enough. I'm to, not sure when the video was taken. At Woodstock, he's 15. Oh no, yeah, I I I can believe that. I'm just saying that. I don't know if that's the one or, you know, when it was, but I know that uh, he he was um, in there. So no, see. I don't think he was in the band yet. He started in Santana 3. He was on uh, Caravan Sarai and Santana 4. But yep. I think he was a member of the touring band. Yep. So I think he actually was playing with him before that. He was, but I think it was in the Bay Area. Well, let's stop. Let's he had think to... about it, though. So if he was in ba- Santana's band when he's like 15, 16 years old. So 1970, Santana 3, yep. the first record he's on, right? 1971. Santana's well-established at this point. Yep. Woodstock has happened. Right. He's had a very successful world tour. And now yep. he's going on to do the next record, which I forget what the next one was after. Because um, I believe he was touring on Santana, the, the first self-titled. So it's probably Santana 2 obviously. Um, and then he joins the band and then he tries to usurp Carlos Santana. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how is that even the thing? So let's see. 
Santana. I'm just looking for the, the video, um, the original video. Yep, there it is. So 1971. You, as a matter of fact, the, um, the, the, what do you call it? The, the not icon, but the, the thing they're using to show uh-huh. the song. Santana, Black Magic Woman, 1971, um, released 1968. Uh, there's, there's shown playing a gold top Les Paul yeah. with P90s. You can see him playing his day with big old mutton chop. Uh, what do you call it? So, yeah, he was definitely on there. Um, so, I, he's in the video, this video. Uh, let me see if I can get this open a new tab. I don't want to actually hear it. Yep. As a matter of fact, the first person you see in the video is uh, Sean walking so, up to his pedal board. If you're not familiar, because we've, we've talked about this on the show before, like the whole usurping of Carlos and kind of that whole story. So Journey, the original incarnation of Journey, which is not the popular incarnation of Journey, um, is made up of no. ex-Carlos Santana band members. And, you know, um, and, and the funny thing is, Uh, so when that happened, the Santana, I think it was after Santana, actually it was, it was before Abraxas, wasn't it? So let's think about that for a minute. Santana's about to record his masterwork, which is Abraxas, right? That's right. Abraxas. And they run off with all the other band members. And then that like frees Carlos up, like all the cosmic energy comes together he gets a new band together and then he does a Braxis. Like that yep. says something right there. Cause I think it was the keyboard player, um, shown and was it the drummer? I want to say it was the keyboard player, the drummer and, and, uh, shown, but I know it was three members. Yeah. And well, and Carlos's band away. was not a big band at that time. I mean, no. now he tours, he's got like 20 guys on stage with him. It's ridiculous. But, um, there's like two guitar players or three guitar players, a bass player, uh, two percussionists and a drummer or two drummers. And, uh, and then like two keyboard players. <laughs> it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, Carlos is, you know, Carlos is a legend, obviously. And I think Carlos's passing will be just as important as, you know, Eddie Van Halen's. Um, and for a lot of people, probably even more so. Um, yeah. You know what? You know, Carlos- what? this is the guy I was thinking of. Um, the one that affected me when I was a kid who died and I'm, I still am not like super familiar with their music, but, uh, um, Jerry Garcia and I'm not like neither Jim nor I are huge Grateful Dead fans, but with the legion of people who are, that was a big deal. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) That was a great big deal. Um, so just wanted to throw that one out there. That was another major one we've lost in the last. 30 years that was like life-changing for a lot of people yep oh guess what guitar uh santana's playing in this in this video prs oh no he's nope. got his uh his sg right to Les paul oh is it it's not even an sg i know he played an sg a lot he only played sgs like he played sgs for a while then he switched over to Les paul's and he didn't like them because they were too heavy then he went back to sgs and then he went to yep. yamaha yeah, he was playing the what is now the Rev Star. Yeah, 
So, and he played those and for a he, long time. He didn't play PRSs until what? The late 80s. Yeah, it was right? like late 80s. Um, but he's uh, honestly, he's single handedly credited with like finding PRS an audience. Oh, yeah. Because, oh, yeah. Because Cause the other, the other artists weren't really. I mean, they were all playing custom 22s and 24s. Like when his yep. guitar came out and it was his a was true totally double different. cutaway Les Paul, people were like, well, that that's something we haven't seen in a long time because the last time they did that was like an S, was a uh, Les Paul Junior double cut, yep. and then if you remember, Gibson did a string of uh, Les Paul double cuts in the nineties. Um, I've actually been tempted to pick one up if I see one somewhere. I think those are cool guitars. Oh, yeah. I think the Les Paul is. A, I like symmetrical cutaways. So yeah. <sighs> All right, so yeah, we we got two hours, we're just in. over two hours. If you don't like this episode, send me a message. Join the Facebook group. Harass us. Um, we would Try love to have you. Crap. We would love to have you show up and and give us some crap. Uh, as always, take a look at Great Lakes Guitar Pickups. Uh, they've yes. got something for you. Uh, they're making cables too. And actually, I wanted to talk about this real briefly. Um, Great Lakes guitar pickup cables. I've got a 20 footer that I was given um, at gear fest and I, it was originally going to be a giveaway item. I'm going to actually hang on to it. And that's because I've done some abuse to it to test it. Um, and it's every bit as good as the sinusoid cable I use normally. Yeah. Um, silent plug and the whole schmear and it, it's robust and you can run it over with a tank and it'll keep working. Um, nice. I have nothing bad to say about it. It sounds good too. Um, so if you're looking for an inexpensive cable option, that's custom shop quality, uh, you can reach out to great Lakes guitar pick. They do that too. So, uh, I need to talk about next week. Remind me, we need to talk about, um, risk grips. Like really badly, okay. we need to talk about wrist grips because okay. I'm using mine religiously and I have a lot of good things to say. So nice. I've been David. I've been Jim. And tonight we were practically cars. Woohoo!